Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Seconds after 8 o'clock here in the UK on a beautiful summer's evening here in central England. I'm John Hindhoff and it is a delight to be here talking motorsport. It's Series 13, Episode 22, up in London. Our executive producer is Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. And on a packed programme tonight. We have all the usual features. Excellent. Yeah, we have some news. Yeah, uh, we have points press release the week. Oh, good. Uh, I we'll think I might know what that is. We have. Uh, is it weather related? Don't preempt a point press release the week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we will have uh, Nick Damon. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll also have a very little bit of Graham Goodwin. We're going to restrict our Graham Goodwin uh, tonight because uh, for the next three nights there's going to be a lot of Graham Goodwin. Right. Uh, so we don't want you to have uh, Goodwin fatigue. Okay. Reasonable. What time are we having Graham, roughly speaking? About 9.30, I would say. Oh, all right. Lovely. Give some time to uh, just get himself sorted out. Very good. Uh, what we don't have this week is Shay Adam. No, she's in the wilds of Muscovia. Because, uh, obviously, uh, having someone uh, in Canada the week before the Canadian Grand Prix uh, would be completely pointless. No, but, but, of course, she is leaving Canada before the Canadian Grand Prix starts. That's correct, yeah. In a Declan Brennan style. And speaking of Declan Brennan... We will have Declan Brennan. Right. Uh, who, before the... Uh, or now that the Isle of Man TT has started, uh, is not on the Isle of Man. Right. Was he on the Isle of Man before it started? He's been to the Isle of Man in the past. Oh, right. Not I've recently. been to the Isle of Man in the past. So have I. I've even been to the production company who makes the Isle of Man TT television again now, Greenlight. Done lots of stuff for them on the Isle of Man. But I'm not there this week either, because it, it's always too close to Le Mans. Yeah. It's the, it's the first thing I'm going to do when I stop doing Le Mans, is go to the TT. Uh, listeners are uh, having heart attacks as we speak uh, with the suggestion that you might stop doing Le Mans one day. Happens, it'll happen. Remember, if I ever say so long and thanks for all the fish, that's it. We're done. It means he's been uh, given a contract to record a new audiobook of Douglas Adams. <laughs> Uh, shall I do a bit of housekeeping? Do, we move do on? some tweetage. Uh, twittage. A bit of twittage. Um, a lot of people very excited to hear the team announced for Mobile One Radio Le Mans this week. We'll run through that uh, a little a bit later on. Nicole Redu 
uh, said uh, it's the only time of year I get legitimately excited to hear an announcing team line up. Once again, the deck is stacked with the best in the business from the booth to the pits. Thank you, Nicole. Very nice. Uh, listening tonight, uh, my calendar is telling me I've missed two Countdown to Le Mans episodes, but I can't find them anywhere, says David Glanfield. Tomorrow night, Friday night and Saturday night for our three Countdown to Le Mans, our preview programmes, uh, all at 8 o'clock UK time. I'll have uh, JP, Johnny Palmer and Graham Goodwin joining me for those. And, oh, of course, uh, we'll have our man in the trade, the travel trade, that is, Richard Webb from Travel Destination. Uh, travel Destinations will be with us. And There's um, all sorts of new French laws that we have to be aware of this year, aren't there? Well, um, yes and no. But the big thing tomorrow night is that Richard has an exclusive special offer for Le Mans Classic, which you can't see anywhere on the web, but you'll hear it from the web. That's Richard, Richard Webb. He'll be on the show tomorrow. Look at what you could have won. And this fine small family car. Um, <laughs> that's all tomorrow night from 8 o'clock. Uh, let me have a look who else is in. Hello to Jackie, Miss Jacks, uh, getting ready for Le Mans. Good to know she's tuning in at the moment. Um, Jerry Sisk, there was a suggestion that uh, Eve Hewitt, our responsible adult, might just take the next couple of weeks off and sit with a gin and tonic in the back garden. Jerry Sisk saying, uh, you know that utter chaos in France would result. However, it would be an interesting social experiment. I suspect a cross between Lord of the Flies and Wacky Races. Uh, utter chaos in France is Not in what way different yes, to yes, France. Absolutely. We're moving on from that. Bonsoir. Uh, Bonsoir, everybody. Except for anyone who's on strike. I'm not going to talk to you. Uh, what else have we got in? Um, oh, let me quickly skim through, sorry. Uh, Andy Napier says uh, it would be a good idea to have Jordan Taylor uh, on uh, Radio Le Mans as he doesn't have a drive. Unbelievable. Uh he can't bring his dog, dog who obviously doesn't have a pet, pet passport for you. Uh, Chris Suku offers apologies for absence for the second week running. Um, I'm coming to you from tomorrow again. Mm. Looking forward to the podcasts. He'd better be here next week. Three strikes and you're out for uh, Yes, good point. Uh, no AFAs from Alexander Orton. Um, just home from a great but very long shh meeting. Change. Things are changing in shh. But they are for the better. Anything to do with the uh, the contacts that uh, um, we initiated, Alexander, just saying, just for my personal gratification, would drop me a line, be good to know. Uh, hello to Sarah Rigby, who's hoping that the evening clinic finishes in time for her to get home for Midweek Motorsport this evening. Pickled Axe, the brilliance, uh, the brilliant uh, named Pickled Axe, uh, listening in tonight, Midweek Motorsport, dinner and preparation, uh, for a test day at Circuit Zolder tomorrow for our Ford Fiesta ST, which I like a lot. Cam Walsh is tuning in for the first time for quite a while. A great lineup for Le Mans. Andy Blackmore with his work in progress uh, at the moment. He's got half of LMP done for the uh, Spotter Guide. All good for that. Uh, 
Right, Turn Lover says, having re-listened to some classic midweek motorsport, uh, does the return of the, si- the race tool signify an ear on the oval? No, he will be talking two wheels uh, tonight. Uh, Chris Humphreys looking forward to British GT, three hours from Silverstone, and then I'm off all next weekend to tune in to 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, is it too early to ask when deposits will be taken for Le Mans 2019? Says Mickey Heth. Um, Michael Hetherington. Um, are are we will... talking about uh, deposits for travel destinations or for entry fees if you want to take part? Well, um, I can t- I can tell you now um, that uh, Richard was uh, telling me when we recorded the inserts that they will be open for business on the Monday after Le Mans. So that's how close it is. Uh, to that, so just a couple of weeks away uh, for that. Um, let me just see what else we've got here. Uh, all the usual features. I think that'll do for the time being. Why don't you, why don't you shuffle your papers, play the jingle? Uh, a reminder, of course, that next week we will be early because it's midday at motorsport. Is it midday in France or midday in the UK, Tim? It's midday in the UK. Yes, okay. Fine. I thought I thought you it like was. To lie in on a Wednesday. Apparently. Yes. Uh, abs- absolutely. It's the only day that we do. Uh, that's all next week. We'll give you some more uh, details on the whole radio station moving to France. Uh, it's next week. Runs out in 15 seconds, by the way. Um, well, you can play the jingle now if you'd like. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Oh, this is an absolute cracker. If it's the one I'm thinking of. Normally, for something like this, we'd have Martin Haven on the show. Yes. Yes. However, I don't feel that he would be able to add anything new. Are you just going to read the statement out? This is a statement from Chevrolet about yeah. the pace car incident at the I've Grand Prix in Detroit. We are thankful... Look that what happens when I leave. I left the night before and total chaos ensues. We are thankful that there were no serious injuries. Both the pace car driver and the series official were taken to the infield care centre where they were checked, cleared and released. It's unfortunate that this incident happened. Many factors contributed, including weather and track conditions. The car's safety systems performed as expected. What was the weather like in Detroit when you were there, John? Well, the weather was lovely. When, when you were there? Uh, absolutely lovely. It so was it warm, deteriorated it was uh, no. quite severely after you left? No, it didn't. Actually, it got even nicer. We did have a couple of spots of rain uh, for the WeatherTech race. Uh, but on the Sunday for the second of the Jewel in Detroit event, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was dry. It was warm. There was barely a breath of wind. The uh, uh, Jeremy Shaw retweeted, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, who said, the only weather involved in this incident was whether he would hit the wall with the front of the car or the back of the car. Yes. This was he the... nearly hit it with both. Yes. This was the Corvette safety car, which the was... Pace dis- car. Uh, before the race had started, so it's still the pace car. Really? Yes. Well, who was it the... It doesn't become the safety car until after the start of the race. Right. Came around turn two. So turn one, right-hander, turn two, over a little bridge that it goes over a culvert, a little stream. And it's, it's, it's not a humpback bridge. This is not like something in the Lake District that 
Harry Vattenen's co-driver would have been shouting, you know, watch the crest, don't jump, don't cut. No, no, not of that. It's just a little rise over the top turn two, left-hander opens out. It is concrete on both sides. Back end of the very, very lovely Corvette pace car, which in a GM-sponsored event um, had been uh, featured uh, quite a lot and there'd been a lot of... I think it was the new CR1, wasn't it? It was the new for 28, the new 2019 CR1, being driven by a GM executive, and he lost the back end of it, and coming out of the left-hander, nosed it into the left-hand wall fairly heavily, and the pictures of them pulling off the front bumper at the front of the grid. Now, what I don't, I, I didn't, I have to say, Tim, that you said that was before the race started. I didn't realise that. I think what happened was he came round that corner, having been dispatched. And there was a slow-moving Indy car ahead of him. I thought there'd been an incident. No, that was the two-seater with the VIP uh, oh. guests oh, uh, was being it? driven around by Mario Andretti. So he was... Ca- well, do you know what, though? What a great story. You can say, I only went off because I was catching Mario Andretti and I had to lift off. I was catching Mario Andretti in an Indy car and I had to lift off. Yes. Do you know what the executive's name was? I do. Are you going to name him or not? Are we going to leave it? I bet he's... I bet he's had enough of it I by now. I think his name is quite uh, widely circulated now. Yes. He used to right. work for Holden. Yes, he did. That's very true. Yeah. Um, so? So, uh, that was that. Yeah. Uh, that was the second of two IndyCar races at the weekend. Yes. Uh, so, were you still there for the first one? You were. Yes. Uh, no, 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 I wasn't. Um, I, I left as, as soon as we'd finished the uh, Michelin Post Race Tech because I was flying out of... Obviously, having the race in Detroit, I was flying out of, G- of Chicago. That's so, right, because Detroit doesn't have an airport. Well, d- um, very few people. In fact, only one airline flies direct. That um, That's the one that has a code share with your preferred airline. That's uh, Yes, one of my preferred airlines, yes. Um, but I couldn't get on a flight, so I drove to Chicago... And had a very nice drive in an Audi A, a Q5, 2-litre turbo. Very nice. So, no, I left and listened to it on IndyCar Radio on XM Sirius. Ah, so you've listened to it, so you can tell us what happened. Uh, it was actually not a bad not a bad race. I didn't see the, um, the Sunday race. Where was that happening? No, I didn't see that at all, because it wasn't on the plane on the way back. I saw a little bit of MotoGP. Um... So, no, it, it wasn't a bad race. A couple of safety cars, a bit of um, strategy about who pitted when. And so there was a little bit of... Um, uh, a little bit of discussion about what had happened um, in terms of... Or what was going to happen in terms of of the strategy and uh, and that was that really um, so yeah alright uh, and then there's another race on Sunday luckily they could uh, after a quite considerable delay uh, get that second race going mm. um, obviously they had to wait for that weather to clear up <laughs> uh, stop it and uh, the second race was uh, also not particularly exciting Really? Yes. I did watch this and thought not particularly uh, 
not particularly. I I didn't watch it live. That was the issue. Ah, I, okay. I was considering whether to fast forward through some bits of it. Um, it was Ryan Hunter rear that won the second race. From um, what Power? engine does he have in his car? Ryan Hunter rear in that has... Chevrolet sponsored race. Oh, weekend. oh no, Honda dominated. That yes. that was the story. The, the story was that having uh, they they handed. Um, Chevy a can several cans of Whoopass mm. all Not weekend just in IndyCar though was it uh, no because um, uh, obviously there were GTD Chevrolets and they didn't win either uh, n- no there, uh, <laughs> there isn't a GTD Chevrolet is there not no um, they won the race outright with a stunning race by f- uh, Eric Curran and Philippe Nazar um, with the uh, with the Cadillac, uh, but it was Acura that won, so that's a Honda brand as well, of course. Yes. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais going back to the Indy car. Yeah. Had to start from the back. Right. Um, made his way through the field. Yeah. Uh, spun. Hit the wall. <laughs> this is the second race we're talking about, is yes. it? Yes. Right. Dropped back down to twenty-first, three laps down. Oh dear. Uh, Scott Dixon. Mm-hmm. He had a much better weekend. Yes, he did. Uh, winning. Yes. Won uh, the first race. Yeah, in race one. Uh, which I didn't mention actually. That's Chip Ganassi yes. breaking the Penske stranglehold on everything uh, in the month of May, it seems. Uh, IndyCar off to Texas next. Yes, and the championship having. Um, tightened right up. Will Power for Team Penske leads on 309 points. 304 for Scott Dixon now in second uh, for Chip Ganassi. Andretti Autosports best runner is Alexander Rossi on 298. Rossi had an OK weekend. Newgarden uh, didn't do very well at all. Hmm. It is a bit like that um, at Detroit. It's very unforgiving. Great, great circuit though, and I would thoroughly recommend people go there if you've got the opportunity. It's not as I went there. It's not a well not for a race. I just went there. Yes, I know, but but it's it's not your standard, um, it's not your standard straight circuit, which is why I quite like it. There's some fast corners. It's good. Like it. And luckily they did have a spare um, spare safety car mm. um, and they were able to put Oriel Servia behind the wheel of it so ah yes he was the standing safety car driver wasn't he that's right very good uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 13 and we are on to episode number 22 and is it time to introduce our guest we haven't heard from him yet uh, let's uh, hear from because we're going to move on to bikes now right uh, so let's uh Talk about MotoGP and introduce our MotoGP correspondent. I was waiting for yay after I said MotoGP. Ready? Hooray! Yes, he's still very quiet. I'm still very quiet. I shall. No, he, shall he, he was myself or, now. Or, or was that just a very muted? Well, I, I kind of like. I, I think, well, I, 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 he's got his motorbike boots on am, at the moment. Just actually. his motorbike boots. That and, a, that, that and a leather evening. thong. Yes. A well, studded leather thong. Leathers. Yes, yes, studded leather thong and, and uh, string back gloves and a pair of uh, Alpine Stars um, race boots. Mm, Cuts am. a fine dashing I figure. I do. 
Oh, you got, he's had a rub I, down I, with halibut oil before hope, he came yeah, out. Yeah, everyone's glad that Studio Vision doesn't start till next Wednesday. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, uh, so let's talk about... Uh, GP, there was a race at the weekend. There where was. Were, where were we? Mugello. Mugello, that's I not do. in Spain, is it? Magic of Mugello. That's magical. I do like that track. It's a great track. It's a great track, it's a great track for bikes. What? It really is. Moto 3 was... I, I only saw Moto 3. Didn't see much. And the last four laps of Moto... Well, the whole of Moto 3 was fantastic. Last three laps were bonk as good as ever. Three bike uh, dash to the line and photo finish, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Moto 2? Didn't see it. You only watch Moto GP? I am uh, yes. one of those people who only watches the top echelons though I have watched them F2 recently. Right. Um, yes, a very, very interesting race indeed. Right. On pole... Was Valentino Rossi, the man who doesn't qualify very well, for his home Grand Prix on pole? And, um, yeah. But um, what happened was, and have you watched many of the races this year? Yes. Uh, so, out in the front, into the lead went Jorge Lorenzo, yep. as he often does. Yeah. And after there was a lot of shuffling around, behind him was Mark Marquez, the erstwhile leader of the championship, and then behind him was Rossi and a couple of others. Um, and guess what? You know, what what does Lorenzo do after he goes into, after he leads a race? He falls off. He fades away. And what <laughs> happens? You've ruined the surprise now, you silly boy. All right. Uh, what happens um, when um, when uh, he's ch- when Mark Marquez starts chasing down uh, Lorenzo or somebody else? Um, he wins. He, he wins. Yeah. No, he fell off. Who fell off? Marquez, Marquez fell off. He did not. He had the world's longest fall off. Really? He lost the front and was trying to lift it back up off his knee for about four or five seconds before we ran out of time and hit the gravel. So and still what? tried to keep yeah. lift it up. Yes. It, whilst he was in the gravel sliding along. Yeah, I mean, he got it going again. Unfortunately, he lost so much time, he ended up being 18th by the time he got going again. But yeah, so wow. He, so he kind of, it, was, it was amazing. You know how he, he, he loses the front and picks up again? He just couldn't get up again anyway. And Lorenzo, who normally fades away, did the complete reverse and faded on and actually won his first um, Ducati race. So he won, and then I think Dovioso was second, and uh, Rossi was third, which was a a result no one would have predicted at any point, uh, and has meant that Mark Marquez uh, has 95 points from Valentino Rossi, second 72, but realistically, Mark, if he doesn't fall off again, is still fine. But so De- Declan Brennan, sorry Nick, uh, sorry Tim, just a second, Declan Brennan has just put on <laughs> our studio track, he literally still thought he could save it whilst he was being taken away in the ambulance. <laughs> it is true, he is that good. Um, but all the machinations happened after the race. Yes, because after a win from Lorenzo, mm-hmm. you'd expect Ducati to think, oh. He's actually better than uh, we Dolphy thought he was. Else. We, we need to we need to sign him up. No, they said it's it, 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 the end of the story. Is what I think Lorenzo said. It's not going to. You know, my, my, my Ducati story is ending at the end of this year. And the big rumor was he was going to get himself some sort of satellite Yamaha or something. And then on Monday or Tuesday they fired Danny Pedrosa from Honda. So Pedrosa was out at Honda, and then suddenly, how have I missed this? And then suddenly, all suddenly Honda were talking to Lorenzo. And then today, Honda have signed Lorenzo. So no it's way. Lorenzo and Marquez next year at Honda. Pedroza hasn't got a job. They might get one. Um, Danilo, Pe- Danilo Petrucci has come into the works Ducati to replace uh, Lorenzo. That's a smart hire. It's all going crazy. So yeah, you have And to... we're in the middle of a season. Yeah. But Did they, you mention Iannone? Iannone's been sacked yes. from Suzuki. But they think he might be going to uh, Aprilia, which will mean Reading's out of a job. Uh, and it's all gone. So who's bonkers. getting the Suzuki ride then? Uh, this young kid, Mur, from from GP2. 
Do you want yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. So it's... Um, Who's running third in the championship at the moment. Obviously, all for next year, but it does mean that, that Marquez um, has a, a, a teammate who might just <laughs> mess with his head all Spanish, obviously. The reps will be happy. Um, interesting, though, the one thing that does happen, if, if Lorenzo wins a race for Honda, he'll be the first person to win with three manufacturers because he obviously got his second manufacturer this weekend mm. and he'll be the, uh, the third... Um, Race. So, so, and interesting, uh, talk about Ian Oni, he had a great race, uh, mm. but he's been apparently, it was interesting, I've never heard, you know, the, um, as he, the news he was being fired, it was very sad that suddenly all the, uh, the commentators on uh, BT Sport started saying how, you know, how he had a terrible attitude and he was an awful person, so he literally started kicking him while he was down. Mm. Um, but the race seems good, and I think the uh, the, the turnaround was good. Ma- uh, Maverick Vignales is very upset at Yamaha because their bike isn't any good. Um, even though um, Rossi is uh, is doing doing all he can with it, um, oh that was that was better, uh, doing all he can with it, and um, that's surprising, isn't it? Uh, he has uh, it, it's been again a, a, a an interesting championship, but effectively it's now it's basically the entire field against Marquez, uh, and if Marquez stays on the bike, unlike this week. Um, then he will uh, he'll win. He'll still win the championship. But uh, Yuan Mia was third in the Moto2 behind uh, Lorenzo Baldessari and Miguel Oliveira won for Red Bull KTM um, mm. ahead of the 1, 2, 3, 4 Calexes. Yeah, 4 Calexes. KTM in uh, sixth position. Brad Binder, the South African, uh, in uh, sixth position. Uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely... I'm um, absolutely. My flabber has never been so no, gassed. My flabber was very gassed as well, actually. Not that they fired. Not that they fired Pedroza, but I thought they they bring some young kid up, or they might even give Cal a run. But no. Uh, not happening. Extraordinary stuff. So, uh, so is that going to make? I mean, that, the fact that's at, the, the thing to me is, if that had happened at the end of the season, that would have been quite big news. The fact that's happened in the middle of the season and started off a, a huge game of. Musical chairs, effectively. Musical saddles. Musical musical seats, yes. I'm just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And that's going to make... Of all those sackings, um, which of those are effective immediately, then? No, no, no. It's all all beginning next year. Right. So nobody's been hoofed off a bike as of now. As of now. No, not yet. There's a couple of them down the the row. If you look at the... But it's ruined all... The guys who are losing their seats will not be getting the best Mm. equipment. They'll not Mm. be doing any of the in-season testing. They'll not be seeing any of the new stuff. What it does mean is the six works teams all have confirmed their lineup for next year. And it it really shows the the breadth of MotoGP in that there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Spaniards, one, two, three, four uh, Italians and a Frenchman on the the 12 top rides. Just extraordinary. So it's a two-year deal for Lorenzo, 2019 and 2020. Less money he was on, but um, he probably wants to win some stuff again. Okay. Can't wait. I'm already excited about next Brave. year's Mortal GP. We're not even halfway through this season yet. Mm. Oh, just halfway through. This is going to be magnificent. Magnificent. Uh, we'll have a bit more. Interesting. Well, one one in thing that's just a, uh, is that, that um, obviously the man who's been the kind of the buzz around, Johan Zarco, turned down that second Honda seat to go to KTM. <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure he'll be thinking that that was a smart move unless KTN come up with something extraordinary. It's Perhaps he didn't want to be Marcus's teammate and he didn't want a large amount of Austrian cash from Red Bull. So, Lorenzo has a two-year contract. Yeah. 
And Marcus has two years left on his contract. Yes, yes. I don't think so that's... So that means they need two new riders at the same time in 2021. Oh, just sign the same two again. Well, will they? Because Lorenzo will be 34 nearly at that point. Oh, yeah, and how 40, old's Rossi? 14. Yeah, but Rossi's Rossi. Mm. So Marco and Marquez and Lorenzo... Uh, 11 championship wins between them, 130 victories, 255 podia. Most mm. of which have been against <laughs> each other, of course, with arms and elbows out. Yes, it is true. There's been a lot of... Uh... Mm. And, they, and they've shared MotoGP all the way back to 2011. Nobody else has won it. No. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That, mm. that, is, that is genuinely... A, a shocking, surprising situation. Yeah. I mean, the big question really is whether any of the other, th- whether a, Yamaha need to up their game a little bit, whether Suzuki, Aprilia and KTM can move forward or not. Yeah. Um, because they've now, definitely Suzuki have just not gone anywhere in the last two years from looking quite good at one point. I mean, uh, Vinales, before he went to Yamaha, won races on the Suzuki. Yes, he did. Um but yeah, it's going crazy. It's, it's, it's great stuff. It's, so it's does that mean Vinales was better than we thought he was? Because we thought Suzuki had found something and well, he looked really, pretty good Vign- on it. Well, Vinales, obviously he burst onto the scene with a couple of wins at the start of last year. Then Yamaha lost their way and suddenly the man who can ride a bike that's not perfect is, is Rossi. You know, you give Rossi a non-race winning bike and he appears to be better than, better than most people. You know, people say, oh, well, Lorenzo managed to win Ducati and Rossi didn't, but Lorenzo won a race winning Ducati whereas all Rossi did was beat his teammates because the thing was a pile of bottoms. Uh, I'm... Tim, do you mind if I um, get Declan up on this because he's 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 got something to add. He's very uh, good on this. He's very yes. good on this. I, I'm going to get Dex up, so I'll I'll get him on the line now because there's a couple of things I want to discuss. Mr. In Brennan, meantime, good evening. Oh, oh, that was cool. Hello. Oh, right. Oh, it's an echoey, echoey Declan. He he has Hi. the volume that I wanted Nick to have. Yeah, well, he's coming. He's uh, that was distorting horribly because he's too close to the mic. But we'll sort that out. I'm, I'm, let me move. Uh, this week, I'll be talking several feet from a laptop. That's it. Exactly. Perfect. Project, darling. Project. Yeah. Um, well, not a projector. It's a laptop. No, very good. It would get difference because any... I can barely hear him. Um, Tim, just give me a nanosecond to actually get this done. Okay. Um, Dex, you make the point. Um, uh, you, you made the point when um, we were when you were uh, texting us earlier on about this uh, when we were talking about this news. Um, that this is that is big news. It's relatively shocking news. And the issue that we've got here is that Lorenzo and Marquez like very different bikes, and building a bike that's going to work for both of them is going to be difficult, nigh on impossible, isn't it? Well. Look at what, and Nick might, might disagree with this, but I think they put all their efforts into building a bike for Marquez uh, to, to the detriment of Pedroza. And I know, and Nick will immediately jump back and say Pedroza just isn't isn't Marquez, and that's absolutely fair enough. True. I just don't think that that it's possible. with it, it, It's kind of like, okay, put it this way. I, I just feel that at a, at a very base level that, that with with their riding styles and their uh, their approach, I think having two superstars on that team is going to end up with a situation exactly like we had with with uh, at Yamaha with Rossi and with Lorenzo. Mm. 
I think it will be it will be absolutely divisive among the team. It's kind of a, it's a it's not. It's, I think it'll be toxic. I, I think it's a crazy, crazy idea to, to put those two together. We've we've had a good few years in Mortor GP, gentlemen, and it looks decks like it's it's getting better. I, I like this. I like the shake up. The status quo has not been allowed to. Uh, to dominate and uh, it's going to be a bit of a shake up up and down the paddock and, and uh, that's never I'm, a bad thing for me no I, I, as i said in the in the talkback my, my the biggest head scratcher to me is zarko yeah uh, who went with with the progression he was making at tech 3 and with tech 3's relationship a year ago being so close hervey puncheral having such a phenomenal relationship with yamaha and and it, the obvious choice was that rossi coming to the end of his his natural racing life and obviously being more invested in vr46 and the f- fact that they're going to be entering the 500 the 500 the moto gp <laughs> as well uh yeah they're uh, the vr46 gone back in time to enter 500 cc grand prix racing uh, <laughs> so, so the logic the, lo- the logic being that rossi would retire close to the top of his game and 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 zarko would just walk straight into the yamaha ride and then of course that didn't happen and then uh, a few several weeks ago Harry Puncheral uh, announces that he's parting ways from from Yamaha. He's going to run uh, uh, KTM ro- bikes for for Tech Three, and Tech Three uh, KTM will also have a, their factory program continuing, and Zarko will be part of that. And my head fell off because it's like, what, Zar- Johan? What are you doing? That's not even a step sideways right now. No, he's getting a I fantastic just... payday. That's what he's doing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Does that suggest, bit... though, with, with Poncherel and Zarco going to KTM, obviously in different roles, um, that there's something coming down the pipe that they are both excited about? Or is it really just an enormous comedy check being passed over <laughs> from, well, from I think Australia? it's a mixture of both. I think... Zarko, put it back to what Nick said. All of the in the mu- in the in the factory musical chairs, all of the music stopped, and all of the chairs were filled with tiny little people because they're all <laughs> from Spain and Italy and, only. In fact, you could have you could have in musical chairs with with MotoGP riders. You could fit two onto one regular chair, <laughs> or so, but that's that's a completely different issue. You have back to have to competition Mexico. chairs for musical chairs when it's MotoGP. <laughs> they're actually homologated. You realise that. So. So the music stopped and Zarko looked around and thought, oh, my goodness, every single proper factory ride is gone. What am I going to do? And he, he basically he took the next best factory ride, which Suzuki wasn't available then. And Noni had been was still not fired. So he went to the KTM. So I'm sure Johan Zarko spends his weeks between races now in a room banging his head off of a wall. And then, you know, uh, but. Just to make the race weekend I, feel I, better because I it's think nice he, when I just stop. think he's on Amazon decided to spend his money on stuff. You know, I'll have that, I'll but have that, Nick, I can afford that, I'll have that. <laughs> but Nick, Nick, I'm, I'm hopefully you'll agree with this, but I genuinely believe he's a... He, we're, we're surrounded by generational talents. I was thinking about this watching the race at the weekend. We have... Uh, Lorenzo is a generational talent. Yeah. Marquez is a generational talent. Rossi is the generational talent. Uh the guys who are slightly behind that, somebody like Dobby is making more of his of, of his talent than anybody Agreed. could possibly have imagined. It's remarkable what he's doing. Uh, uh, Zarko, I feel, is the next man to join that club. And he's now 
driving around the car park looking for a car parking space at the moment yeah. to, but, and can't get into the generational talent club and it's very frustrating he well, needs to park in one of the at the end of one of the rows and just wait to see uh, somebody yeah, move yeah but I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I think what's obviously happening is that, that, is that a KTM are throwing a lot more cash at it yeah. you know they are Red Bull KTM so cash is not an object they are Austrian so once again D2 mm. will be happy to, to to, to bankroll it so they're obviously thinking right there's going to be no issues as far as investment are concerned the problem is this is a very 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 hard thing to do and as have Suzuki approved that by not pushing on to being winners and going backwards Aprilia approved by getting nowhere KTM are having problems it's you know Ducati outside of Casey Stone this is the only last two years Ducati have been competitive with real people rather than just um, unique strange people um, so you've had a kind of a you know a two-horse race for however many years between Honda and Yamaha, and it's very hard to get back there. Yeah. So I think that Nick, I think Suzuki are generally, if you look at the, the curve, I know Vinales won on that bike, mm. uh, but I think they they made some step, they took some steps backwards two years ago, and then did they, uh, did they lose the, their claimings team after after Vinales won? They lost all their um, special measures didn't they where you get extra softer tire and yes. you've got extra testing and that and they just literally would disappear disappear around their own plug hole plug hole thank you if you look at rinse rinse is is, is on a is on a uh, an upward curve in terms of his his uh, his keeps his hurting, race if he keeps hurting himself that's his problem yeah so uh they should get a fella called Steve repeat so the team could be rinse and repeat. That very would be good. Yeah. <laughs> very good. How long has that been once it in the He's been storing all of these up. He said, get uh, me off MotoGP. I've got five gags if I've prepared since March. Uh, he, that, he, the idea, a, yeah, I would be a terrible, terrible team owner because I literally, instead of actually finding the best guy, <laughs> I'd be looking to sign somebody just for the gag. Uh, here's a question for both of you. Given that this is um, shaking things up a, a little bit, is there anything else, Nick or Dex, that you can see that might be there? There's this this uh, now that we've we've churned. There's been a bit of a churn here. Um, only uh, you and me are coming up from the the junior formula, though. The um, the other question, which isn't answered yet, is who is going to get the satellite Yamaha? Ah, so there's two yeah, satellite Yamaha. That's forty six. That's isn't that VR forty six? No, they're now saying it, it may well be VDS who've solved their argument with. Um, Everybody. No, no, they, they, but there was an argument with the, the, it was embezzlement. There was now, an argument. They've now backed out. There's not. It's not embezzlement. What they've said, and they've agreed to part on um, on friendly terms. But part they will. So, Van der Stratten runs out, and the uh, I'm sorry, the name the guy completely escaped me. The, the team manager's gone. So not they first are, time that with the car team as well. If you remember, they shut the car team down. But it does mean they are now free to have a conversation with Yamaha because they're not going to go to court for litigation about anything right. um, and obviously Yamaha do want to run a satellite team so um, it, that would be probably going to be them I will say Petrucci deserves the shot at them because he's taken the fight uh, over the last two years on and off when, when he can on the Primac bike and and him getting a, a shot at the full factory bike is, is also uh, you know that's a pretty strong team again it's they're probably 1A status compared to the other guys. And that's the thing, I think, generally, that we just need to celebrate. As fans, we just need to celebrate the fact that we need to just soak all of this in because we're in the greatest era there's ever been and probably ever will be. And if you, if you can't get excited about MotoGP now, then like then just I don't know what's going on. Uh, one more MotoGP story. Stay with us, Dex. Uh, just before we do that, a quick reminder uh, that we... Hello? 
that next week no, we'll be either. live at midday rather than eight o'clock UK time. It's midday motorsport next week as we begin our build-up to Le Mans. We've got our scrutineering programmes on uh, at Monday. Sunday and Monday or Monday and Tuesday for the scrutineering? Sunday and Monday scrutineering. All right, okay, excellent. Uh, Shea Adam reporting from uh, scrutineering. We're firing up the FM transmitter at Le Mans. 91.2 FM is Mobile One Radio Le Mans. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to hear around the world on XM Sirius in the US and on RS1 everywhere else in the world. So you've got a bit of internet somewhere. That's all next week. Uh, and I'll remind you about that uh, throughout the programme. Tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, 8 o'clock, it's our Countdown to Le Mans, the preview programmes, starting with GTE Pro and Am, and with a special offer only to be heard on radio, the airwaves of Radio Le Mans uh, on the internet and at 91.2 FM from Richard Webb of Travel Destinations. If you're thinking about going to Classic Le Mans this year, stop thinking, listen tomorrow, and then get on the phone. I can't go, I want to go, I can't go, I'm in Portimao. Mm. Well, whose fault is that? Well, yours. Well, <laughs> well, only if you want to work. Well, I do want to work. Well, there you are then. <laughs> but even if he didn't want to work, you'd still make him go there, wouldn't you? <laughs> not, not, not. I can't make him do anything. <laughs> As we prove it on so many occasions. <laughs> on so many. It's called free will, Tim. Okay, that's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, our promo, uh, our preview programmes for them on next week, midday motorsport, midday UK time. So that's going to pull it back quite a bit for those of you in the US. But we will be having a repeat after the day's action at Le Mans, the Wednesday action at Le Mans. That's the usual thing. And that will be happening again next week. It will be on a podcast before that, though, if you want, uh, will to, it? Okay. If you want to avoid listening to uh, some free practice or something like that, then you can... No, uh, of course you don't. No one there right might want to avoid too, that. Too many, too many good drivers need to do their ten laps. Five uh, laps. Five, well, five, only if they're Platinums, it's five only if laps. Only Platinums. Ah, well, yeah. they're the only people who get the um, waiver, though, aren't they? So, anyway. So, what about Augusta Farfus? He can't be a Platinum driver. Uh, he could be. He's one DTM. He could be, but I'm not sure that he is. Because um, he hasn't been there for too long, so he's got to requalify, hasn't he? He has. Um, so I think he should have been there on Sunday. He must have got a he special. He couldn't have been. He was racing in DTM on Sunday. Wow. More of that later. Ah. Uh, All right, uh, let's have another MotoGP story. MotoGP. We were talking yeah. about uh, 2021, Are and uh, yes, I tried to bring it round to this earlier. So 2021, mm. uh, both Marquez and Lorenzo's contracts will end. And Rossi's. Yes. And Rossi. Yes, but Rossi's not. That Honda, is he? Not yet, no. Not yet. Uh, will Mark Marquez stay in MotoGP? What? Oh, you're linking this, aren't you, to his F1 test? Yes, because yesterday he went to the Red Bull ring and drove a Formula 1 car. An old one. Well, he's not allowed to drive it. It's very cheeky. He, broke, he it was fully liveried up in Honda um, livery, but obviously it was Red Bull from 2008, so it would have been... What a, Honda livery? 2012. Contemporary Honda F1 livery. Yes. Old, old Honda F1 livery. No, but contemporary, because they are Toro Rosso Honda, so it's their, their current livery. Right. But it was a 2012 car, so it's a previous narrow um, V8 car, right. pre-hybrid. I can't remember who they were. Were they Ferrari that year? I can't remember who the engine was. It was Ferrari or Renault. And I take it that was at the Red Bull Ring, wasn't it? Red Bull Ring. And, right. they did, um, and he did the morning, and Pedroza did the afternoon, and he ran around and said, oh, I think it's great. Is Who that did part? he have as his driver coach? David Coulthard. No. Oh, really? oh, Mark Webber. Mark Webber is correct, Declan. 
That was that was noises off, wasn't it? Mark Webber. <laughs> that was fantastic. Patosa <laughs> obviously uh, uh, slipped through the belts and is now rattling around yes. somewhere in the car. He's, he's, in, he's in the yeah, he's in the pedal box he's, at the moment. <laughs> he's in the pedal car. I think you'll find that's when he fits. <laughs> is is this uh, going to be part of a driver swap that sees Red Bull drivers on MotoGP bikes? No, not at all, because they wouldn't dare let them. Can you imagine the sort of accidents that first time would have on a, on a, on a bike? Well, um, but, it, it, but it'll give him an opportunity to do something else when his Formula One career ends at the end of this year, of course. Oh, right, yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, I, I have no Ma- idea. Marquez, uh, he, on his first uh, flying lap, they did a 121, and by the end of the morning, it got down to a 114.9. That's yeah, pretty impressive. It's 10 seconds off the pole time set last year by... Uh, yeah, but different car. Hybrid car. Different they're, they're car. It is a hybrid car. Different car. I think they said it was a... Was it a 1.8 or something? 1.9 that was set in that year. And what did he do? 1.14. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's a short lap. Yeah, I think we're not giving him uh, much credit or putting it in good. full perspective. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, this is, this is very similar to the situation with Rossi back in, God, I don't know, 207, 208, when he was trying Ferraris. The issue wasn't so much whether he could get there or get do it, just that he, they didn't, he didn't really want to do the apprenticeship. Hmm. Yeah, because you're going to have to do at least a year, if not two years, of not top-level racing to get into F1. It's uh, can just I just, a super An example now. of that, Nick, it's, it's basically the 40th, 40th anniversary yesterday of Halewood going back hmm. to the Isle of Man. Yeah. And people forget that Halewood's biggest open wheel single seater uh, uh, achievement was winning the European Formula Two title. So he even did an apprenticeship. Yeah, and, uh, effectively. So if, you, if, you, if he wanted to become an F1 driver, and he, there's no reason to say he couldn't be, he'd have to do he'd have to do two years. He'd have to do GP3 and F2, um, and do well in them. And you know there are you know, however good you are as a motorcycle racer, however talented you are, and he's, he has otherworldly control of a motorcycle. Does that actually? You know, uh, translate. You know, most decent racing people, certainly the bike guys, are normally pretty good in a car because it's quite transferable up to a point. It's obviously different the other way around. It's very untransferable uh, from car to bike. The but... biggest thing that bike guys have to do, and I remember many years ago when James Whittam had a go at Ford Fiestas, the same year that I did Ford Fiesta, did uh, Ford Fiesta guest drive. He did as well. He was at Knock Hill, poor so and so, but he knew the track, of course. Uh, but the biggest problem he's, he was, he was turning in too early because mm-hmm. you've got effectively probably four or five when, times the contact when, patch. Um, when Joe and I But once, our, he, once, he, once he'd yeah, sussed it, yeah. he was super quick. When Joe and I do our little lap, laps around the Creventic track, Joe always says you're, turning, you're taking the bike line because uh, yeah. all the track racing I've ever done, riding I've ever, has been on track, and you, you have completely different sort of lines. Obviously, they'll get used to it, but these are very, oddly how different the bike line is to the car line. Well, because you don't have as, as much... Yeah. Uh, as I say, you don't have as much mm. uh, as rubber on the road. Um, shall we stay with Dex while we've got him and do a bit of TT, uh, Tim? I finished this story for Oh, us. sorry, I thought you had. My apologies. No. <laughs> uh, Helmut Marco. Oh, yeah, God, I, love, I love hearing from Helmut. In control of uh, everything. Mar- Marquez and Red Bull. Um, and Schmirsch. said... Uh, <laughs> said that uh, this is not the last time that Marquez will drive a Formula 1 car. While stroking a white fluffy cat. <laughs> in the coming years, he's going to break a lot more records in MotoGP. Maybe after that, Formula 1 will actually be a possibility. Up mm. to now, only a few exceptional talents have managed to compete in both. Mark it, has what it takes. If he, wanted to, if, he want, if he actually wanted to do both, he'd have to stop now and swap. Yeah. He's, he's 25. 26. Yes, and I'm saying that he needs to, he's got... 
another the end of this year, 26, two, 28, and he's got. If he want, if he, I'm not saying he couldn't do it. If he wanted to do it, he'd have to make the same sort of commitment that uh, Michael Jordan did and stop absolutely the peak and take the risk for a couple of years. And possibly to go back to managing GP if it doesn't work out. The Michael Jordan uh, analogy is spectacularly uh, excellent, Nick. It's See, an uh, excellent analogy. Uh, and that from Declan. I know, I feel quite Nick, about that. Nick is si- sitting back. <laughs> stroking like, my cat. Stroking his cat, he's very happy. No, it really, it's, it's a brilliant, because that's Jordan had the understanding and, and the self-awareness to realise that he had to do that. He had to go and pay his dues and the miners and, and, uh, and, and th- he had to earn his way. Mm. And and I think the problem with 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 the MotoGP guys is that they they have they are in such rarefied air the whole time that 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 is be such an anathema to them to have to to go and slum it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, that, that, where's well, MotoGP off to next? I have absolutely no idea. No, you, you said earlier on. Where's it going? Is it going to? You said earlier on. You actually mentioned it. It's Assen. Isn't it Assen? No, it's it's Barcelona. It's Barcelona. 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 They're going to yeah, the circuit the of Cat- races in Spain. They're going to the circuit of Catalonia, Tim. That's at. Uh, that's in Catalonia, yeah. Ah, right. Okay, you did not. I thought you had the hotkey. No hotkey. Right. You. All right. Well, hang on. No, I don't. Okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 13, uh, and uh, Jacqueline Vernon uh, joins us here on episode 22. We're talking bikes, the big news we've talked about in MotoGP. Uh, we've had Isle of Man TT uh, getting underway. So just, just point out, huh? this is the same as Hamilton and Vettel becoming teammates. Yes. Because Lorenzo and, and Marquez, yes. whilst we talk about Rossi, they've won every World Championship since 2011. Yes. So it is, people are going, bike. no, this is massive. That's why we've talked about yeah. it. Yes, that's a good point, Nick. Thank you. And thank you for putting that And Rossi there. is Alonso. Yes. Brilliant. Oh. Absolutely right. Very good. You two are on bad, fire tonight. Bad team choices and then just a bit older than the young boys. God, this, yeah, honestly, we should be on more often, Declan. Fine. Well, I am. <laughs> Fantastic, you guys. Uh, let's talk about the TT. Some extraordinary lap times in the early part of the TT. Sadly, um, uh, another death as well uh, this week. Uh, I, I, you can't get flippant about this event. No. Uh, it's a tremendous event, but it is still very, very dangerous. And the lap times this year, we had people breaking lap records from a standing start earlier on in, in the meeting. Well, yeah, the, 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 let's say we, we don't even have time. There's so much going on to talk about practice, but if you go straight into if we think about how the, the the event effectively started, it started with the with the first Superbike race, and Dean Harrison broke the lap record from a standing start. Just ex- I'll say that again slowly, from a standing start, uh, he one thirty four point four three miles an hour on a Superbike. Uh, absolutely crushed the opening uh, couple of laps of the. Of the of the superbike race, uh, sadly he, he had a, a, a mechanical issue. As and it's it, it's it's a shame because we were we were potentially uh, robbed of a, of a great finish because as that was happening, uh, Michael Dunlop was clawing him in slowly, yeah. uh, whether he'd have got him or not. But the speeds have been mind-boggling. I want to say I want to jump from from that where Michael Dunlop won the first superbike race. I want to talk just to give you some perspective about yesterday's super stock race. Ah, where... and this brings up an interesting question, actually, because the speeds yeah. of the for those that don't know, super stock bikes are exactly what they say. These are 
Um, I know super bikes are based on road bikes, but they're a race version of a road bike, like a homologation special. Uh, super stocks are much closer to stop. And crucially, Declan, super stocks run on hyper sports tyres, on road yeah. legal tyres, whereas most of the other categories, the race categories, are running actually on full race tyres. Okay, so so with that in mind, and if you're if you're new to the Isle of Man TT, but you're a motorsport fan, just think about what what that means in, in terms of car racing, a, 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 an almost showroom stock car on road tires against a, a purebred GT car, for example. And Hickman, so it's like a, it's like a road going version of an Audi R8 on the Nordschleife on road tires against an R8 LMS fully race prepped on slicks. Correct, and and. So Hickman, during the Superstock race yesterday, lapped. So bear in mind that the, the outright lap record is 134.43. Miles an Hickman, hour. Hickman, on a superbike, on a full super Suzuki, uh, Suzuki's, uh, bigger part of full Kawasaki superbike. Hickman lapped on a Superstock at 134.4. He was three hundredths of a second off the outright lap record. I didn't realize it was that close. I knew it was close. So, I didn't so, so hang on, that's on that's on road tyres. That's on treaded, all right, albeit you know very high performance tyres, but that's on a road legal tyre. So to to me, and this is a bigger issue, I think, and, and the one I keep thinking about is in in terms of so why do you need to spend significantly thousands more of pounds or euros uh, to potentially, uh, and I know I'm being mildly flippant here, but to gain. 0.03 of a second. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's more about do we need superbikes on the Isle of Man at uh, all? Do the manufacturers, do the OEMs need superbikes on the Isle of Man? Like when superstocks really are still the bikes that they're selling to the public, the, the OEM, the, the tire manufacturers are selling those road tires. It's it's literally it's a the perfect platform. The same with super sports, the super sport bikes, mm. which are effectively an upgraded version of of this of you know the the, the R6 and the CBR600 and etc cetera, etc cetera. and and they're lapping at nearly 130 miles an hour oh you kidding me i, I yeah, mean that's... dex the point of super i mean the whole point of of, of superbike world superbike superbike racing whether it's world or, or regional is so that people like Nick Damon gets excited about it and wants to go and buy the road-going version of I, the bikes that he sees. I recently. do want to buy the road-going version. My back wouldn't let me. No, indeed. <laughs> so that's the whole raison d'etre of, of, of Superbike in the first place, as opposed to the full race machines, uh, effectively prototypes. It's like the difference... We're coming up to Le Mans. It's like the difference between LMP cars and GT cars. Now... GTE cars, GT Le Mans cars, everybody knows they're not actually showroom models. That's that's World Superbike. Um, MotoGP is LMP. They could be a, a one-off. Super Super Stock are the cars parked in the car park. And, <laughs> what 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 better way? You know, it, it's it's the car that the drivers are given by the manufacturers to go to Le Mans in. What better way to sell road bikes than by promoting? the actual bike on the actual tyre. And for me, for, for the tyre manufacturers, there's even a greater dividend there, Declan. And I think this is why you see Triumph Norton and Patton all in, in the lower classes because of that. Because I think ultimately winning the TT, it's almost like the value of a TT, irrespective of if it's not the senior TT, is mm. so great that the value to, to those guys is there if they win a lightweight or if they win the 
if they win the, uh, the, the Super Sport or the Super Stock. And to me, I'm at the point where I don't really, it's almost like, why, why don't, why don't the other man, because it's, it's, it, they're alone to themselves, it's not part of a championship, why don't they just say, okay, we're going to limit it at Superstock, the senior TT is for Superstock, because it just seems, it's almost like the, they're making the top competitors spend way more money than they need to, and the speeds are almost identical now. It's extraordinary. I, I, I'm, I'm astounded that I, I knew it was close. I didn't realise it was that close. That runs on for the rest of this week? It does, yes. I just want to quickly say, Peter Hickman obviously won the Superstock. He's after giving After going straight on at Braddon on the first lap and losing about 12 seconds. Yes, that's right. I did see end. that clip. I did see that clip. And somebody said, oops. And then, <laughs> of course, and of course, I went, oh, dear, poor, poor, and, poor and Hickey. For, oh, and then he won it. Yes, and for our, for our uh, uh, mainly British listeners, and for Paul Dunk particularly, uh, Hickman races uh, uh, for both obviously for BMW and for Triumph. Uh, he's sponsored by Trooper uh, IPA, which is Iron Maiden's uh, uh, beer. Uh, so, and his, his helmet design is absolutely and, fantastic. And he is basically, it is, the, it is the British, it's the English stroke Britishiest thing ever. It is just wonderful to have Hickman on a Triumph sponsored by Iron Maiden. It's just fantastic. But we've had a... Uh, just the full, full Michael the races today. I beg your pardon. Mention, Mention Michael, Michael Rutter. Rutter. Yeah, Rutter won the Rutter, Rutter won again. Worth mentioning from a technical perspective, Rutter won the TT zero today with an astonishing lap time, 121 mile. Was it electrifying? It was. It was. This is but, the TT zero zero emissions uh, yeah. motorcycles, of course. And their 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 lap times are are just. Mugen, Mugen are throwing a lot of money at this, and their lap times are just getting more and more interesting every year. Like what? 121 really? is remarkable. Yeah. Wow. I know. Just to put it in perspective for us old folks, when I was a kid, uh, my brother had a poster of Joey Dunlop on the wall with a big sign saying, first man to average 114 miles an hour on the island. Yeah. <laughs> and that was in the 80s. Yeah. There are 20... They're 20 miles an hour faster now, and, and it's almost beggar's belief. Average. But I think, average. That's yeah, not average. a top speed, ladies and gentlemen. That's average around the whole long miles. lap. Do the electric bikes only do one lap, Dex? Yeah. Yes, they do. Right. So yeah. that's from a standing start then, or do they get a bit of a run-up to it? Uh, they get a, stand, a standing start. So that's 120-odd miles an hour from a standing start on an electric bike. That's yeah, pre- That's pretty impressive. That and is pretty impressive. The- to go back to our other argument, Patton uh, won the, the lightweight. Michael Dunlop won the lightweight on the Patton, mm. uh, basically the second year in a row. Rudder won it last year, the S1R, which is gets a little bit of flack because it's almost a prototype. It's a very specialist bike that you can buy on the road. And I don't know if anybody saw it compete at the Northwest, but it's straight line speed, beggars, and defies belief and <laughs> physics. It is an absolutely remarkable machine, but but yeah, we we are continuing with. Uh, looks like if 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 he can keep the bike upright, uh, I think the the Friday's race between uh, Harrison Hickman and and Michael Dunlop uh, for the for the senior TT will be absolutely insane. Looking forward to that immensely. Dex, thank you. TT very coverage much. has been great though as well. Uh, green light, 
back on uh, back on side uh, with that our friends uh, Manxi, Dave Benyon and Richard Nickel and the rest of the guys uh, who are based on the island and they've been doing a cracking job uh, for those of you in the UK it's on ITV4 with a highlights programme of the evening Velocity for those of you in the US and obviously those of you in the UK uh we don't want you to switch off now to watch tonight's highlights. So channel 221, that's where you'll find ITV 4 plus 1, where it's repeated in an ah, hour's time. Very good. Oh, there go. Like that. Dex, thanks very much for being with us, mate. Good to hear your voice again. See you soon. Oh, my pleasure. I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Declan Brennan uh, coming to us here on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, second hour of the programme coming up in a wee second. Just time for me to tell you uh, about a way that you can race me at Le Mans uh, all throughout June and into the first week of July. Yeah, race me. I was just thinking, what? Race, race, me. race me, race me. What, you're, race me at you're, Le Mans. You're going to start one end of the pit lane, I'm start the other end, so you get to the middle first. I know, this is all about lap times on Forza. This is, this is one of the Forza RC uh, bounty hunter challenges. Uh, anything from the Forza GT division. Uh, I'm Mackem 73, M-A-K-E-M 73. Um, I've done a couple of laps in the RSR um, Porsche. Um, no, I've put no tune on it. it it's pretty open, uh, and I'm not using any assists either. Up to you what you take from the Forza GT d- division. Uh, if you are, if you have Forza, you know exactly what to do. Go to the uh, area where you see the bounty hunter. Uh, events uh, you can earn in-game rewards for beating my lap time extra rewards for being in the top 10 25 or 50 percent of the leaderboards you can go to fortamotorsport.net for more details or just check it on your xbox is that the full lemon full lemon so what did you do in your rs full full lemon with uh chicanes and a clean lap, by the way. No corner cutting, no dropping off the edge. And what time was that? I think I did a 20, a 4.23. Okay. The best guys, the really good guys, um, are under four minutes. So they're on a par with the real thing. Yeah. I I, sh- I sh- if I had a bit more practice, I'd, I'd, I don't think I could get... I could get close... I think I can get close to four minutes. I don't think I can get under four minutes. I did uh, a similar thing uh, in, I think, TVR around Brands Hatch last year against some other motorsport journalists. Right. And uh, I thought I'd set quite a good time <laughs> uh, until at the end of my, I think I was given 12 laps, um, it displayed my best time. And I'm thinking, I did a time 15 seconds faster than that. Yeah. Uh, apparently they were using the Jonathan Palmer rule. And yes. uh, when I ran wide at uh, Graham Hill Bend, that cancelled that lap time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you can put a time in with a little exclamation mark next to it on Forza, which says that it's a, you, you've gone off track. Now, going up, there's degrees of going off track, but the purists, of course, will say it's all about having a full, clean lap. So yeah, two wheels, aren't you? Uh, no, no, exactly. But you, there's there's places that you could cut the track and try and get a bit of time oh, and oh, stuff like that. Oh, dodgy cutting, right? Yeah. yeah so um, the purists will always look at the clean lap times. So have a look at that. Uh, everybody gets the. Uh, sorry, on. Nick. Uh, sorry. You, go, uh, you, you finish and I'll uh, pick up. Uh, uh, everybody gets a 2008 BMW Z4M Coupe for taking part. There's a... Not nice... a real one, though, is it? It's, it's a virtual one. In the game, <laughs> yes. Because they were delivering... Uh, say, say you've got, like, eight, 25 million people playing Forza, so they've got to find 20 million... Not 2008 BMW... <laughs> they haven't... You know, where are you going to find that many BMW Z4M Coupes? Uh, it, about 3,000. It's the June Bounty Hunter event. It'll be running till just after uh, our 
broad, we'll talk about it in the broadcast as well. I'm going to try and get some time on the Xbox uh, between now and the end of June. But that's Have you be set difficult. your time now? Or if you go faster, would it reset your it time? It resets my time if I go faster. Oh, so, yeah. could, Nick, could we put this on uh, studio cam during the morn? No problem at all. Only if I bring an Xbox. If you bring an Xbox, I can take the, I can take the screen straight off if you do on the PC. All right. I think I might be a bit busy. Uh, it'll oh, be running, there's the prize. It'll be running, uh, unless I just stay home and, and practice all month, uh, it'll be running till just after the beginning of July, and uh, we'll be talking about it in our IMSA coverage as well uh, from Watkins Glen. Incidentally, uh, John's uh, Forza handle Mackham73, that's not the year he was born, it's the last time Sunderland won anything of note. That's not true. We've won a championship since and then. You won the championship. And you got the wooden spoon in Division 1. They didn't champion this year. Mm-hmm. We, uh, uh, we we won the championship in the championship. And you won the third division in 1988, didn't you? That's right. No, no, we won the championship. We won the, t- the championship with a then record number of points. What year was that? 2004-5. So, uh, moving on. I still you're, listen- you're listening to uh, Midweek Motorsport, and we're into the second hour. Here against my will and forced to do voiceovers. Don't mind her. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. In the second half of tonight's programme, Nick Damon will be staying with us and um, we'll be talking more motorsport news. Might even have a bit of news in Spanish as well for you. Graham Goodwin talks to us uh, about sports car events and we'll be. Uh, reviewing, well, we've actually done a bit of the sports car news from Detroit uh, last weekend. We might have another chat about that as well. Keep your Twitter coming in at Specutainment. But coming up next, uh, we will be talking Pikes Peak with Bentley, the Bentayga and the Mobile One challenge up the hill. another 20 seconds of this if you want to add something else that's a long one isn't it that's nearly a minute <laughs> but it's over a minute midweek motorsport on rs1 get so used to the ones that are 45 seconds and uh that one was a bit bit longer than that uh as we have been talking about the last few weeks uh we will we are the uh, uh exclusive partner to mobile one and bentley for the uh, for their uh, uh, for their challenge to break the SUV time at the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Now, in the last couple of weeks, you've heard from Brian Gush, Brentley's motorsport manager, and David Surisaki, who's the man at the head of Global Motorsports and Technology for Exxon Mobil. They were both very enthusiastic about this challenge. A challenge, by the way, that is three years older than the Bentley brand itself. Pikes Peak International Hill Climb was first contested in 1916. Now, when you've got a brand like Bentley, uh, with the Bentley boys in your history, it's not difficult to see why that pioneering spirit still goes through everything that Bentley talk about. But taking an SUV up a mountainside seems a little extreme, even for the crew, Mark. Well, David Guest is the uh, line uh, manager for the Bentega brand. And not unsurprisingly, uh, he was very excited about this and says actually that ever since Bentega was conceived, they've been looking for some kind of challenge that fits the kind of attributes that their premium SUV has. 
Well, it's something that we've been very keen on uh, since we started the Bentayga project about seven years ago now to uh, to really demonstrate the, the, the full axis of its performance capabilities from luxury to off-road um, to, to performance. And um, it's something I've been pushing Brian, Brian Gush, uh, Motorsports Director, for a long time now, come up with some ideas. What can we do that can really demonstrate the performance credentials of, of this car? Um, and it was the back end of last year that Brian came to me with the idea for the Pikes Peak um, Hill Climb um, Challenge. And it just, it was a perfect fit straight away. It was straight, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's get on with it. Let's go for it. So then you make that decision, which on the face of it, your head of motorsport comes to you and says, I, th- I think we can do this. And you, as as the man who is is described as Mr. Bentega at crew says, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Then you've got to make it happen, though. And, and the decision-making process then is, how much are you going to do with the car? I mean, were you confident that the, the Bentega was a good enough platform straight away to be able to put it up in, in near street trim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we did some quick calcs. Um, I rely on um, Brian's and the, the motorsports team knowledge, but we, we know that the, the performance of the Bentayga, it, it, it's one of its many strengths. Um, the combination of the 12-cylinder engine with 600 horsepower, 900 newton metres of torque, plus the state-of-the-art chassis that we've got with the active uh, roll control system, the 48-volt system, it really gives an, an astonishing uh, performance. Mm. Um, you know, the car will drive like a luxury car when you want it to. It will drive off-road if you want it to, but it will also drive like a sports car when you want it to. It's, it's a true grand touring car, but with a very, very powerful sporting edge. And, and we were very confident that, um, you know, a, a hill climb, especially the race to the clouds, Pikes Peak being the ultimate hill climb, we, we were very confident that the, the in the car's abilities to be able to tackle it and do it. The 48-volt system, This is it's effectively, this is an active ride system that helps control the streetcar and will be, I presume, a boon when Rhys Millen has to take it up the 156 corners over 12 and a quarter miles or so. Obviously, the first thing is that the Rhys himself, um, we're very, very lucky to have a, a very skilled driver, but I think he's, from what we've heard from him, he's very confident that we've given him the car to do the job. And the... The 48-volt system is really the, the transformational technology that enables that combination of luxury, ride when you need it, and, and ultimate performance when you need it. And it, it's, um, it's instant switching within milliseconds goes from giving a very compliant, very flexible chassis to give you that really good low-speed ride to really stiffening the car up and, and, yeah, and really giving you that dynamic performance when you need it. David Argent is with us as well, who's one of the engineers on this project. Exciting, David. Um, and you know, we're talking about how good the base vehicle is. Things like the engine haven't been touched on this car. So th- this is an absolutely standard powertrain for the, for the challenge at Pikes Peak. Yeah, that's correct, John. I mean, as Peter just said, we had such a strong powertrain system to begin with. Um, you know, we, we looked at the regulations to pick a category and picked on a fully production-based category within it, the exhibition class, and where it does stipulate that there's no changes allowed to the powertrain or chassis of the vehicle. So, you know, it, it was black and white for us, and, and we had a good starting point. The engine's going to get a caning up there. Um, I, I'm not sure that when Bentega was conceived, um, the performance parameters included climbing 5,000 
feet in 12 and a half miles, uh, getting up to 14,000 feet. Engine oil in particular, important to have good partners in this one as well? Yeah, of course. It's very important to have good technical partners on this side that we, uh, we share with the race side as well. So we have Mobile One, as you mentioned there, on the oil side. And we also have Pirelli, which is a standard fit tyre on the, on the Bentayga as well. Um, along with uh, Akrapovic on the exhaust system. So it is really important to have good technical development partners. The, the oil that's going to go into the car for this challenge, is it in any way different than what you would put into every Bentayga that le- leaves crew? No, the transmission and engine oil is exactly the same as what you will find in a, in a customer Bentley that leaves crew. We've, we've said what you haven't done to the car, so it's a production-based car. What have you had to do to the car in terms of, of safety and comfort for the driver? Yeah, well, we've only made the changes that are stipulated in the regulations, so we've had to install the roll cage in there for the safety of Reese. Um, we also have to remove the seats and the carpets within the car, um, and then we fitted a fire extinguisher system, and all of this kind of culminates in around a 300 kilo saving from, from the base chassis, but these are only things we have to do in order to comply with the regulations. It Does that make a big difference to the, the dynamics and how the systems work? We were talking about that 48-volt active roll control system did that have to be recalibrated or is it clever enough to to be able to realize that you've taken some weight out of it no it's, it's more than clever enough to to uh, to work out the different loading conditions that the car's driving under so you can imagine this is a car that can tow three and a half tons it can tow it can carry about 150 kilos on a on a roof box um, and the system has to be able to work out between and, and obviously seven we have a seven seat option with uh, seven passengers in the car so it has to be uh, smart enough to work out all those different loading conditions and um, it's an incredible piece of uh, computational technology to work out exactly what was going on it takes input from the suspension sensors it takes input from the engine from the gearbox uh, from the brakes um, it's got it takes sen- uh, inputs from the uh, central safety computer in the car in terms of how much it's rolling or yawing at any point in time and it puts all of that together um, works out exactly what the car is doing within milliseconds to figure out how much support it needs to give the car. As, as far as, as you're concerned Peter this is an exciting challenge are you confident that the the 12 and a half minutes or thereabouts I mean that's that's race has got to average 65 miles an hour I've worked out give or take all the way up the hill is it doable? Yeah I mean there's always external influences that we can't uh, you, you know we're always a little bit in in the lap of the gods and, and there'll be a few fingers crossed as he goes up the uh, mountain but we're confident that we've got everything in place we're confident the car can do it we're, we're confident reese can do it so we've done everything we can to make sure that we've given us given ourselves every chance of success but uh, yeah time will tell uh, and David, from the engineering point of view, what's the biggest challenge then that Pikes Peak throws at you? The the altitude, the amount of corners, or, or is it more practical things like the sheer logistics of not being able to practice the whole run? Well, it's, it's probably more the last of it you mentioned there. It's, it's the logistics of the event, the lack of practice, uh, and it's more the weather. You know, we, we don't know what it's going to do on the day. We, we know the package is uh, capable of doing it, but you never know what will happen on the runs there. Are you excited, gentlemen? Peter, this is something that not everybody in, in, in your job as a product line director for a, a premium SUV like the Bentayga, this doesn't come along every day. Does it excite you? Oh, yes. Oh, it's, it's, as I said, from day one, we've been looking at an opportunity to really demonstrate the, uh, 
outer edges of the capability of the car and um you know we're all uh, we're all car guys and we've all got petrol through our veins so absolutely uh, we're very very excited at this possible the potential of this opportunity that was uh, Peter Guest and David Argent from Bentley uh, on the Bentley Bentayga Challenge of the Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Uh, I, I'm not making the uh, Forza Bounty Hunter Challenge too easy for you today, although uh, apparently I did choose the hardest car to drive with the uh, Porsche RSR, um, particularly with no uh, assists on. I, sh- I shall try harder. Um, I... <laughs> Apparently How the car to have is the Maserati. Obviously. The MC12. Obviously. Nick would know all about that. Yeah. Wow, I know what they look like. Yeah. Um, uh, where are we going next, Mr. Gray? Next, uh, we're going to go to Kent. Are we? Oh, where I come yes. from. Uh, we have two Kent stories. Excellent. Uh, one of which uh, is about uh, Isle of Sheppey motorcycle champion. Uh, Shaky Burn. Shaky Burn has returned home. Good. In uh, a helicopter. Good lad. Excellent. Didn't have to use the bridge. Got much about the. <laughs> I don't think he returned home to the Isle of Sheffield. I think he has a house in London. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but he did return home by helicopter. He has uh, woken up in his own bed this morning and he says uh, that felt good. Uh, and his uh, head has got four holes drilled into it uh, really? what to stabilise the vertebrae to stabilise the vertebrae jeez oh, that must be a massive accident so that's good Kent news good Kent news we've got bad Kent news then bad Kent news uh, is uh, the other side of the county uh, Lydon Hill do you know I thought you were going to say Lydon Hill what's happened there has it got flooding it was going to be closed it was but then uh, Pat Duran the uh, former European Rallycross champion, the British Pat. Rallycross champion, mm-hmm. uh, who now owns uh, Lydon Hill, mm-hmm. uh, decided he wanted to spend £6 million upgrading it into a world-class facility that might actually get uh, World Rallycross back. Really? Yes. How is that bad? He wanted to build two grandstands, hospitality no, building, and a not, new access road. And he's not got planning permission. Dover District Council has rejected plans. Really? Mm. So apparently he's moving to Wales. Circuit of Wales. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it'll be at Silverstone then. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> uh, Mr. Duran said, We haven't asked for any further race days or any additional track days, but we are looking to expand events to create a circuit that local people can enjoy with other activities such as show jumping, classic hey? car shows, mm. cycling, hospitality, driver training, and the list goes on. The circuit is not viable on its 52-day use at the moment, so we'll now have to look at selling the circuit to someone who will have the investment... Well, right, okay. Or turn it into a housing estate. No, it's an area of outstanding natural build beauty. They can't build on it. It's a it's a chalk downside, isn't it? That's the it the the thing of it. No, I, I, well, but if you can't get planning permission for it, then you can't get planning permission for it. it. Doesn't matter how much investment you've got. Could he not just try and do something slightly different? What and still keep it as a. Uh, Rallycross Well, obviously they, they, they would have turned on their planning permission because they did, probably didn't want two big grandstands blotting the landscape in some way but there are other ways you can make circuits well, I mean, I, I'm not a Mi- Mr Duran said that the expansion would have supported uh, 92 and a half new jobs mm-hmm. uh, and attract visitor numbers of over 100,000 100,000 and a half with the, other, with the average spend of visitors in the district being £15.35 
It's 1.5 million. Mm. So that's not insubstantial for that area of Kent, I wouldn't have thought. There's not much no. else going on there. Well, there's the port. Have you... Yeah, it's, a, it's quite a way away. Have you ever been to Lyndon Hill? No, I can't oh, Kent. I've never been there. Great. Never I, been. I, uh, Diana Binks couldn't do Rallycross for the old Morton's TV once, and... Uh, they asked if I would like to do it, and I was there like the proverbial rat up a drain pipe because I love rally cross. I used to love rally cross at Croft. Go out and see it there. The sultry Lidden, tones Lidden's of Arthur the Debenham, home, the home of rally cross. Um, Arthur Debenham on the PA it was fantastic. So off I went down there to be Binksy. Didn't take me bobble hat. So it was Haven doing the commentary with I'm trying to think which. Uh, former British Rally champion, Rally Cross champion, he was commentating. Martin Shanker. No, 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 no. Will, Brit- Will Gollop. I, I nearly said Will Gollop, and then I realised it really wasn't him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Out of names. So now. I, I, I was, uh, I was in front of the camera, and absolutely, it had a ball of a day. It's absolutely great. I was at the uh, bottom of the hill as the cars come steaming down the hill and pitch into the long right hander on the into Chesson's drift, because that's where the paddock is. And it was a brilliant place to be. I had a great day. And I really hope they continue to run events there because, uh, you know, that type of rally cross track is just brilliant. And as, as much as I quite like the event at Silverstone, I saw it on the telly uh, for, that was Global Rally Cross, wasn't it? And um, World Rally Cross. World Rally Cross. Rally Cross. Rally Cross. Yes, okay, World Rally Cross, excuse me. I knew I'd get those two mixed up. Um, as much as I enjoyed it, it's not, uh, you know, it's good. It's not a patch on Lyndon Hill. It's no flat. disrespect. It's but it, I mean I realise it's different horses for different courses, but Lyndon Hill is just so fast. It's brilliantly fun, and I really hope they get that together because it's a it's a really important part of British motorsport history. That mm-hmm. Penelope James of the Wooten Environment Protection Group said, "Do not be hoodwinked into thinking the circuit is the golden ticket that will bring wide-ranging financial benefits to Dover." Hmm. Why do I think she just sounds like a NIMBY? Well, it's there. It's there already. It's not. They're not talking about building something new. It's there and it's been there for years. This is like people who move next to a racetrack and then complain about the noise or an airport. I've moved to Heathrow and I can't believe it. I can't get to sleep because the planes are flying right up until one o'clock in the morning and then they start again at six. I can't believe it. <sighs> Councillor Simon Bannister, Labour. Said, I'm a fan of motor racing, but I'm also an environmentalist. Do the economic benefits outweigh the negative impacts on the countryside? What's I don't the negative? They do. Two two grandstands you can see from a few hundred yards away. What's the negative effect? Well, so it's a visual effect. Well, I see, but I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't seen the whole submission, but it does sound that way. I would probably think that the A20 has a bigger environmental effect, which runs about a mile and a half from it. And I'm sure the port of Dover has a bigger environmental well, what, effect. What, what, what would the environment effect be of having a massive port then? Well, I, 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 I'm not, one, not sure about this, but I'm thinking the dirtiest diesel engines in the world, which are marine diesels, running the heaviest diesel oils and the biggest amount of particulates with no particulate filters on there. Those are big exhausts that stick out like the top. Mate, it sounds like funnels. No, no, because everyone knows that all the problems are cars. Yeah, just cars. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to put the soapbox. Take that soapbox away from me I right will. now. Moving yeah. on. Let, let's move very swiftly on. No te fías en español. Olé. Olé. For midweek motorsport. Lovely. <laughs> that was the dry version, apparently. Yeah, I heard that. 
That, that was environmentally sound, though. Um, we, we're not allowed to have the wet version anymore because it's environment, environmentally unsound. Is it? It's, okay. too, it's too wet. <laughs> uh, moving on. And this is the sort of news in Spanish that, uh, again, we should have had Shay for because it's her version of Spanish. Oh, really? Oh, South American Spanish. Okay. De visita en Malibu, California... El piloto de F1 Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. tiene que llama a la grúa para que recoja la Ferrari. La Ferrari aperta que manejo el pasado fin de semana. Now, this is very interesting because recently in uh, California, mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton, uh, who's ditched a Rocco, his dog, for a llama oh, okay. yeah, and a parakeet. Sense. Yeah, I heard that. Right, a parakeet, which disgraced itself whilst he was out there yep. by saying La Ferrari, La Ferrari all see, the time when he's you... been trying to get him to say Mercedes-Benz AMG. You see, what actually happened, you were quite close there. Okay. But what it, was actually probably, happened... it was probably the fact it was South American. Yeah, because it was drinking too much Malibu. Ah. It was absolutely, completely wasted on the coconut-flavoured liqueur. Okay. <laughs> Uh, much, uh, much beloved of eighteen-year-old uh, underage drinkers <laughs> in the nineteen eighties in the UK. <laughs> no people, comment. I had my worst hangover ever on my when I was nineteen, and I was drinking pints of Old Roger, which was double-strength lo- um, real ale. Oh right, okay. With Malibu chasers. Oh were you? Oh god, Malibu. So I was being both kind of beardy and camp at the same time, mm. which you do very well. <laughs> Thank you. Haven't you. Changed. No. Malibu, by the way, is alcohol for people who don't like al- the taste of alcohol. Anyway, but moving do you on. Like the taste of it's coconut. Sugary. Uh, carry on. Sweet and sticky. Go on. Beer también. Lewis Hamilton said, "Disculpa, por ridiculizar a su sobrino, por vestir disfraz de princesa en vía Augusta, celebrar a Lewis Hamilton con un motocicleta muy especial, Ferrari, la Ferrari aperta subasto." Uh, poor ten million dollars. Well, interestingly, he was. Well, this, it was a fantasy tour. Did you? Did you well, not did hear you not, Sabrina yeah. the Teenage Witch no, and, and, it's and not a Disney Sabrina princess? Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, it's Sabrina the Italian, well-endowed pop star from the oh. late eight early nineties, singing about boys, 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 and uh, boing, 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 so boing. So basically, at that point, he was saying, oh, "I want it. It's lovely, lovely and curvy like Sabrina. I've got something really angular like the Ferrari Apertura." Uh, which, of course, means the Ferrari sunroof. Ah, the aperture. Very mm. good. I see. Uh, I see what you're saying there. Uh, carry on, Tim. El piloto de la escuderia Mercedes AMG Petronas, Lewis Hamilton, estuvo el pasado uh, fin de semana en Malibu, California, y lo que parecía ser una mañana cualquiera resultó en un incomodo episodio. Well... See, it got a bit weird here, because as you know, he's he's not happy, he's got a drunk parakeet, he's yep. lost Rocco, he's got a llama, he's gone completely off the deep end now, and he's bought himself a Komodo dragon. Right. Um, which apparently, they only eat antelopes, and also they only eat antelopes after they've, they've bitten their legs many months beforehand. But what they've worked out now, if you, if you carry on with a Malibu, you can wait that long before it's time to eat the antelope with his pet Komodo dragon, and his car with the sunroof. Uh, Declan has offered something different. Oh here. right, okay. He thinks that the dialect we missed it earlier on. That it's what he was saying was he broke the door of a LaFerrari trying to get a llama in it as he wanted to drive in the high occupation occupancy lane of the freeway, uh, and it broke the door because the, the llama was drunk on Malibu. 
it's well, possible. Well, you see, it, it, it's a different connotation. It's possible, but I'm just wondering whether how the Komodo dragon fits into all that. Uh, Which is very clearly there. Uh, was it was it not another hit by Sabrina after Summertime Love? <laughs> boys, boys, boys in 1987. Boys, boys, boys. Is that it? El pecanse fue tomado con muy de Lewis Hamilton y Corey Gamble. Uh, ya que incluso Pideron al conductor de la grúa que se clevaria al Ferrari que les tomara un foto para dejar testimonio del episodio. Well, interesting mm. there. They're, they're, interesting, moving on from your Disney thing, and now we're going to DreamWorks, and I imagine, because they mentioned Gru, who of course is the star of the uh, Despicable Me films. So possibly they're looking for an invention somewhere to tie this all together. But I think this is basically just trying to cover up the fact that he's mucky about the Ferrari with a llama, a drunken Komodo dragon, when he should be with a Mercedes. Uh, and a parakeet. Well, that's... Well, well let's not uh, even go there. Okay. Where's uh, Sabrina again? Boys, 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 boys. You, the video for that was uh, somewhat yeah. suggestive. Unlikely to be on television now. Uh, <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, Different times. Yes, yeah, so the 80s were a lot better, weren't they, Nick? <laughs> uh, there well, was, there was girls pretty, on film. I was just going about to say, there was some Duran Duran. There's two versions of that. Oh, yes. If you remember. Uh, anyway, look it up, kids. Uh, <laughs> no, don't. Listen- don't, actually. Don't look it up. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Well, not if you're Nick's kids. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Well, and we've got half an hour of the show to, to go. We talked about uh, Johnny Morlam um, uh, earlier on. Hasn't he retired? Will uh, he? He hasn't retired. You see, this is a, a popular misconception. <laughs> were we talking about him earlier on, John? Yes, we were. Or was that in some other... Time we were talking <laughs> about sure. him. Has um, someone done other recording today, John? I, right, we might have. Um, uh, no, Tim and I were talking about him today earlier on, and that's uh, true. We were. That's if you just let me finish what I was trying to say. And there's a public misconception that Johnny has retired. Uh, he hasn't. He, he he said to us on several occasions. In fact, he broke it on uh, our airwaves that he's retired from top line professional racing to concentrate uh, on his Red River Sport Agency, which trains and mentors gentlemen drivers, as well as as, uh, managing young professional drivers, including Ollie Jarvis. Uh, And he's also got his TV show starting uh, again. Morlam's Racing Channel uh, Travels is back on Sky Sports here in the UK. It starts next week, and it's followed Johnny Morlam around for well over 10 years now. And uh, although he has retired from top-line motor racing, as we've documented here... Uh, Johnny is still more than capable of winning the odd race uh, and uh, he was out uh, most recently with the former Deutsche Bank boss uh, Ivo Dunbar in their Ferrari and uh, also uh, with Bonamy Grimes, Bon Grimes in the Henderson Endurance LMP3 Championship in the UK. Uh, in the first of this new series, he'll be also talking to Worth Research Chief Designer John Travis a former racing driver himself. I used to work for Penske as well, and he's discussing with Johnny a scheme to train and mentor new engineers in association with Red River. First shown on Sky Sports Active on Wednesday, June the 9th. That's next week at 9 o'clock in the evening. We'll be at the month for that, and then you can watch uh, through the rest of the week on various of the Sky platforms. Check, uh, Check your... Sky EPG for details. I'm sure there'll be a way to watch it online as well for those of you outside of the UK. That's uh, Morlam's Racing Travels and uh, well done once again to Andrew Marriott who puts that all together and uh, Andrew Marriott of Pitlane Productions 
uh, and a regular contributor and reporter for us in the Creventic Championship uh, for our live stuff as well. And the world's greatest name dropper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, who's, what was the two names that he dropped he just in one Well, of course, Barry Sheen used oh, to yes. call me this, and James Hunt called me that. And yes. you're thinking, and the Barry people... Sheen and James Hunt dropped at Navarra <laughs> in the same sentence. sentence. Yeah. Absol- yeah, that was it. We were done after that. Uh, what's in the final part of the programme tonight, Tim? Formula One news. Hooray! Oh, I didn't get to the fader quick enough, sorry. You did tell me to turn <laughs> him up. That's the sort of level I wanted Nick earlier. Right, he's far too early. He's just bust people's eardrums. Go on, Formula One news. Uh, which Formula One driver is currently being blackmailed? Oh. It's Kimi Raikkonen. It is. Really? Yes, apparently there is a waitress who is um, alleging that he and a friend of his um, may have touched her inappropriately in a bar. But What's rather, the name of the bar? Don't know. I just know. I just think it's one of these things where she's decided to allege in a form of a check rather than the form of a, of a lawsuit. And uh, he's going. I've had enough of this. It's extortion, and uh, that's it. He's he is supposedly is supposed to have touched her breast, and his friend is supposed to be rather more unpleasant. But that's about it. Okay. So they're now it's now got litigation. Say it's extortion. She didn't do it, and she's just asking for money, and she's not actually prepared to go to the courts. Right. So yes, that was in Canada last year. Right. Uh, yes, it was. Carry on. Two years ago. Was it two? Oh, blimey. It has yes. rumbled along. Lots of back... Yes, but, um... uh, yes, that pretty much <laughs> covers that story. Oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> Look at me. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo will be starting at the back. Possibly. Don't know. There's contra- there's, there are contrasting uh, rumours. It's Canada at the Canadian. 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 Because uh, it was MG UK failure, they th- they're not sure they can rescue it. Um, they were saying they can now. Um, you were saying they can't. So he'll take at least 10 places and probably a few more because they'll, uh, they'll bung in a load of auxiliary kit as well for it. But then again, it might not be at all. No, because it's, it's whether they can rescue it. And they say they probably can't, but it's, it depends what's broken. But uh, he would need to take some penalties, yes. Uh, Brendan Hartley is not about to be replaced by Lando Norris. No, this was a good one, wasn't it? Toro Rosso, you know, poor old Brendan's not had the most um, uh, positive starts to his F1 career, in fairness. Good point. It's not one point. It's not gone very well. And... Um, and obviously, being Toro Rosso, there's none of this. No, we support you. No, no, no. They're literally out there with a with a with a roller with a decks form. with a roller decks looking who they can find. Who do we know? Who with do a we know? Ready to lever him out of the seat uh, and a roller decks. Yeah, uh, and going through somebody's mobile phone. That, well, first thing you do obviously is look at the massive roster of Red Bull drivers and go, "We'll have him." No, they phoned up Lando Norris. Well, phoned up um, McLaren and said, "Would you release Lando for the rest of the year, please?" And McLaren went, "No, no." And they've now denied it happened, but Lando said it has. <laughs> And a, another produ- a, a couple of journalists got a hold of it. So it's now very embarrassing because it's obviously they are trying to lever out uh, poor Mr. Hartley for the Austrian Grand Prix, I think was the ideal change. Probably, I think it's three races time, isn't it? Right. OK. Uh, moving on. The Forbes list of the world's highest paid athletes has been released for 2018. Right. Uh, who's at number 12? Lewis Hamilton. Yes. Uh, estimated earnings of $51 million. Oh, it's that old poor thing. How is he, uh, how's he getting by? Who's at number 18? Vettel? Or uh, Sebastian Vettel, yes. $42.3 million. Right. And is Alonso after that? Um, 
And then, yeah, Alonso's uh, down uh, on $32 million uh, with a million dollars of endorsements. Pittance. Really. Sorry, they think he's got a million dollars of endorsements. I think you'll find Alonso's got rather more than a million dollars worth of endorsements. Well, I think Vettel's only got uh, $300,000. Mm. Perhaps some of the endorsements are linked directly back in through the stuff they do with the teams, actually, so it probably gets, you know, subsumed by that. But mm. So they've all got a reasonable amount of cash. They're not strapped, are they? For a for they're, a bob they're doing or two, all right, Mr. the three of them. They're not. Yeah. They're not going to be on the streets saying "Give ten p for a cup of coffee." No, or ten euro cents. Yeah. Now, the Forbes list is about earnings as opposed to wealth, isn't it? Yes, yes this yes. year. Not like the Sunday year. Times one. That's one year's earnings. That's one year's money. Yeah, fifty-one million quid. Dollars, right. Sorry, not like the Sunday Times list, which uh, still has people like Eddie Irvine and uh, Johnny Dumfries and Dario Franchitti at the top. Uh, because of their investments, previous investments. Uh, well, it's, it's investments for Dario and uh, and inheritance and from Johnny Dumfries, Eddie's property, and Eddie's Dario's property, stock exchange, isn't he? Stock uh, market, isn't he? he used to enjoy uh, doing a bit of deer trading. Yes, now he's mainly buying Porsches. Is he? Yes. Do you want yours? <laughs> <laughs> Get it back in the family. Mm. Uh, who, so who was the racing driver? Uh, who's the racing driver highest up the Sunday Lewis. Times rich list? Rich, no, the Sunday Times rich list. Oh, oh the Sunday Times. Uh, I haven't seen it this well, year. Graham Goodwin is on the line. Uh, Mr. All Goodwin, good evening. And stuff. Good evening. I can tell you that the uh, the driver's name you're looking for is racing at the Le Mans 24 Hours this week. That's Jensen uh, Next week. Is it JP? No, it's not. No. Oh. Who is it? It's Francois Perodo. Oh, very good. Very good because of his business uh, enterprise. Absolutely, and it's and it doesn't make him an unpleasant person. But he's not British, so there's no, ex- so no, no excuse for those Formula One Johnnies. So what does he do? I don't, I don't know. What does he do? It's mining, isn't it? Oh, the, right. I think it's the family company. I think it's mining, um, but uh, still an incredibly pleasant chap, as well as being increasingly rapid. The more uh, racing he does, so yes, he's um, uh, minted, as they say. He's got a few more quid in the bank than I have. A few more zeros on his quids in the bank than I've got, but uh, but there you go. I thought you had but lots of say, zero in the bank. I, I've got lots of zeros, I, it's just at the wrong yeah, end of the unfortunately decimal wrong point. End of this, yeah, sorry, I, that, I missed that one, didn't I? There you go. Uh, but, uh, lo- go on. Um, Graham Goodwin. Yes, uh, that's Good evening. Car. Good evening. Uh, who should have won Le Mans in 1977? Who should have won Le Mans in 1977? You do realise I was 13 at the time, don't you? Yes, that's perfect age to be watching sports car racing. You couldn't in those yeah, days. That's if, the problem. If, in, the, in those days, you know, we didn't even have CFAX. Who should have won Le Mans in 1977? No, go on. Derek Bell thinks it should have been him. It should have been me. It should have been me. Oh, no. And, and, of course, it went. It all went wrong for Derek after that. It did. He only won it five times after that, didn't he? Uh, he, uh, he was at one point, leading that race until the car broke down. Right. If you remember. Yeah, so it tends to, t- tends to take the shine off your day, doesn't it? It does. Uh, but he was by far the fastest person around Le Mans that year. Uh, and he thinks... So are, same... we trying to, are, we tr- are we trying to draw some kind of comparison with what might happen in this year's race? Well, Derek Bell certainly is. He thinks the same thing will Excellent. happen to Fernando Alonso. He'll be the hey! fastest driver, but the car won't get to the end. Oh, well, that's that's very interesting. I'm nailing my colours to the mast. I think if it doesn't have Fernando's name on it, it's not going to get anywhere this year. It's pole position, uh, fastest race lap, distance record, 
Uh, all of records, everything will be a record. It'll all be brilliant. There'll be more people there than he's on the planet of the it'll earth. It'll be his best drive ever. TM. Yeah, it'll be a qualifying record. It'll be but a faster car, time ever set in first will break practice. down when someone else is behind the wheel at about 8am. <laughs> yes. Oh. It's, 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 I mean, it's Le Mans. So, I mean, we're joking. but it, So it'll be raining as well. It could be. Anything. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if Vincent Capillaire spins in front of that car and takes it out, (laughs) they're going to come looking for him with a bunch of ninjas. I'm telling you, it's going to go badly wrong for Vincent. (laughs) Not so much so 24, no 24. um, Jackie Jackie X might have uh, almost felt a a little bit uh, slighted in 1977 because he was leading early on and then his car which he'd, he'd won with the yeah, previous he, year, he, broke his down. broke down. And then he got in a different car and went on to win. So. Correct. He jumped in with J- Jürgen Barth and Hurley Haywood, and they won in I mean, the 935. D- Derek Bell could have done the same thing if only his teammate's car hadn't also broken down. Yes. I'm trying to work out why... Can oh, I ask yes. you a question? Yeah, go on. Who is the... We're all talking about um, young Mr. Alonso, but there is one driver in the field who is actually on for the Triple, triple Crown. crown. Yeah, no one's yep. talking Montoya. about him at all. Montoya. No Montoya. one's talking about him at all. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Um, LMP one short. And of course, he'd also had, he'd had he'd be a quadruple crown as far as Tim's concerned because he's also a former 3000 champion. Yeah, which is obviously far more <laughs> far more important than anything else. Important. Not only champion, but he won a race at Poe by a lap. So he won Poe and Monaco. Oh, this is quite good. Poe, Monaco, Indy. He's got Le Mans. He only needs Ooh. to add, to add um, Macau to that, and he's got the lot. Is Poe the only one of the classic circuits named after a Teletubby? <laughs> no, no, the Circuit de Tinky Winky, obviously. <laughs> and uh, the. Uh... No, there's, there's Duffer's Dipsy. Oh, <laughs> very good. That's very good. Uh, very parochial as well, though. Well, you know. What was the other one? Uh, La La, was it? There was the La La ring, isn't there? in Spain, isn't it? There'll be the La La ring somewhere. What happens with the La La ring is you think you're going to win, the last minute they take away the trophy and give it to someone else. Ah, very good. Very good. You got there at the end, didn't you? got there at the end. No, got that straight away. I stayed up for that one. Test day, being and gone. You were there, Graham. An extraordinary... Uh, an extraordinary event, uh, lovely atmosphere, quite a big crowd there from uh, what you guys were seeing on Mobile One, Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM. And it, it, there's a real buzz about Le Mans this year, far from being, this is a transition year for the WEC, um, we're in a bit of a no man's land as far as the regulations at the sharp end of the field's concerned, we don't know what the new ones look like yet, um, I'm told that there will be some uh, regulations announced. I'm also told they won't be global uh, uh, and uh, tied together the ACO and IMSA. That'll be on Friday of race week. It would have been easy to dismiss this season as a not necessarily just an irrelevance, but sort of say, well, well you know, what's going to happen? The, the, the buzz around Le Mans, uh, as evidenced by the amount of people at the test here, as evidenced by how deep uh, with talent the entry list is in all of the classes. It's an extraordinary year for Le Mans. Uh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. All that cynicism about, you know, world-famous names in famous teams that will go not do very well at Le Mans and never be seen again. That's enough about Labra competition in the two perfume years. Uh, the, 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 the Fernando Alonso story clearly dominates the general news media and of course that's had an effect on the 
outlook of every sports car racing fan that takes an interest in the Le Mans 24 hours. Mm. For me, good luck to him. If he wins it, he wins it on merit. That's absolutely fine by me. Mm. But I'll be looking beyond that as well. And I think most people will once we get settled into the rhythm of the race weekend. Don't disagree with you, John. I think if there's records to be broken and there's an opportunity to break them, the best available story for, uh, for the race, for the WEC, for Toyota, um, will uh, feature the words uh, Alonso and Fernando, not necessarily in, in that, that order. order. Uh, but uh, but equally behind him, let's not forget this. Well, and let's be we... let's be fair, Graham, and I'm sure we'll discuss more of this on Saturday when we're talking about LMP1. Uh, Toyota have have served their apprenticeship at Le Mans. Oh, more than nobody, more than. no manufacturer have been second more times without winning overall. Certainly, no manufacturer have have come so close to winning and not won. Uh, you know, even Mazda. Even Mazda, and this I'm very, very classy from from Mazda a couple of years ago, and again last year. Mazda are the only Japanese manufacturer to have won Le Mans 24 hours outright, and even they're saying now it's about time that changed. Quite frankly, and and we wish Toyota the best because we want not to be the only Japanese manufacturer to have won. They've served their apprenticeship. They are the last man standing, Graham. It's not their fault that uh, the Volkswagen Audi uh, group, Volkswagen AG, decided that Audi weren't allowed to play anymore and then Porsche realised they didn't need to be there anymore. Um, So, you know, Toyota are the last man standing. They've supported the championship. They've supported the world's greatest motor race. They've invested in the technology that uh, supported one of the best uh, classes of premium sports car racing in several generations and you know it's fantastic stuff but you know i think it's time for us all to move a little bit beyond the cynicism just revel in the race forget for a moment toyota if things go well they will win the race okay if things go well for them they will win the race i don't have a particular problem with that and i'll celebrate that beyond that though let's look at what we've got we've got Depth in LMP1, the like of which we've not seen for many years, and in particular in non-factory LMP1, which is even better news. LMP2 is as competitive as we've seen. It's not quite as many cars, and probably not quite as many cars at the very top end of the grid uh, in LMP2 as we've seen recently, but that just makes it more competitive. And I think leaves it wide open for a well-driven Ligier to do possibly rather better than people are expecting i i don't want to tread on ground that we'll be covering with you and johnny palmer's going to join us as well for our three oh, previews. Uh, <laughs> um as our as our lead commentator for the wec broadcasts on rs3 um i don't want to tread on that too much but give me the the, the highlights for you of 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 test day a, a lot of controversy a lot of will there won't there for various cars but ultimately the 60 cars that we the 60 cars we had been expecting have arrived. Uh, they are all there. The entry list is as we thought. None of the uh, none of the reserves uh, got in. In fact, there's only two left uh, officially on. Effective, effectively, only one now because High Pass Racing no longer can actually uh, take part because Dennis Anderson will not qualify for the race. Ah, yes, good point. Uh, so the, uh, the we effectively now have a single reserve left in the Duncan Cameron car and that's uh, i think i think it's rather too late there too well you know numerous storylines but the highlights for me rebellion taking the fight on pace to the totas uh, at the test day yes we know that totas have got more to come 
but I think so have the Rebellions. We didn't see the best from the number one crew. That I think most people would expect would be the quicker of the two. I think that lends itself to the possibility, John, that the first stint could be quite interesting. Yeah, uh, particularly particularly as the top speeds of the different types of P1s are a bit different. We'll go into that in detail at the weekend. I'll remind you that it's tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Graham and Johnny and myself will be talking about the GTs, Pro and Am. Uh, on Friday night at 8 o'clock UK time, it will be LMP2. And on Saturday night at 8 o'clock, it will be LMP1. And mixed in with all of that, Richard Webb from Travel Destinations talking uh, about th- things to see and do, plans uh, down at when you're at Le Mans, and also classic Le Mans. And a reminder that there is a special and exclusive offer tomorrow evening in the middle of the show when Richard is doing his piece. Uh, if you fancy classic Le Mans this year, and it's an absolute belter, because it's got uh, additional uh, additional guest races, including Group C again, and a rather tasty-looking Porsche race as well. Uh, a fantastic offer, which is nowhere else. It's not on their website. If you uh, want to take... Uh, advantage of it you'll have to be listening to that show and be able to call them and uh, and quote what Richard says in the show uh, tomorrow night or he recorded the bits and pieces with Richard so that will be tomorrow night from 8 o'clock onwards all those shows around about an hour and a half at least that's what we're going to try and keep it to uh, I can tell you something else that's going to be there John yes. uh, which I don't think is on a released entry yet we do know Jensen Button's going to be taking part in the Group C race in correct HGR 12 I believe that uh, Sean Lynn Alex Lynn's father will have his newly acquired Bentley out not a 1920s Bentley a 2002 Bentley oh really um, yeah absolutely that will Speed be appearing eight. yes that will be appearing in selected historic events uh, now in Sean's hands in the hands of his car preparer it did have a run out in the display for Patrick Peters forthcoming Global Endurance Legends series uh, at the Spa 6 Hours it will I believe be out again at Le Mans Classic and next year in 2019 we'll see the car racing Ooh, I like the sound of that uh, just before we let uh Graham Gore, um, more sports, uh, any other sports car bits and pieces? Actually, I, I was talking about the Bentley, um, talking about the Bentley Pikes Peak uh, challenge earlier on. Uh, Roman Dumas going back, of course, with the Volkswagen electric car as well, which has very strong sports car connections pardon the pun i realized that well it's got it's got pikes peak overall winning connections it's the idr it's actually based on roman's um cn class norma chassis he says around 15 to 20 percent of the car is uh from the car that he won the race with or the event with um yeah it was it it was last last year year before year before uh with that car uh but he's been up there and testing looking for the electric class record very jealous, John, because you're going to get the opportunity to see that live. Oh, I, I, I can't wait. It's been my bucket list for quite some time. I normally don't get to go to it, but it's after Le Mans this year. So uh, the green light was given and the opportunity with Bentley and Mobile One and, and to go there and uh, still working on exactly what we're going to be doing. But we will have some features uh, from 
at the Colorado event itself, and I'm, I'm thoroughly look, look, looking forward to it. Before we let you go, Grim, I want to just finish off with a bit of uh, Le Mans news. Uh, we talked about planning applications for Lydon Hill uh, being turned down, putting that venue potentially in jeopardy and, and frankly I don't want to go all the way to jeopardy uh, it's just too far away to, to go for you need for a rally visa as well uh, well nowadays you will yes absolutely um, planning uh, planning permission granted for a pretty large and significant redevelopment of the start finish grandstand um, above the pit uh, at Le Mans which is going to make uh, for some interesting changes for the next two or three years after this year uh, yes, it is. Uh, good uh, good job from Matt Fernandez for spotting this one. He's very 20 good. Million, he is, you know. Uh, 20 million euros uh, to be spent on the start line, uh, start finish straight rather grandstand. Uh, looking a little tired, it should be said. Principally to increase the facilities for, of course, what raises an awful lot of money, which is the hospitality space below the seating areas, but to uh, refurbish and upgrade the seating areas as well. Uh, it will still um, be the same kind of length. We're not going to get an increase in the number of garages below, but the garages themselves will be refurbished, I believe, slightly extended. Um, and they're going to they mean... have a central fueling system in the garage as well, which uh, piqued my interest. Um, well, but, uh, yeah, but by then, John, it's going to be all plug-in electric anyway. <laughs> uh, but no, this is going to be in time for the centennial centennial of the race in 2023. So work will get underway in around 2020. Uh, I think the uh, the point you're edging towards here, though, is a pretty significant change for the likes of me, uh, which is that the press room, uh, I have sat my not inconsiderable backside in the same oh, little yellow chair for a week. Uh, at a time, uh, the very same chair for nearly 20 years now, and that press room will be moving to the ACO building, a, re- a building that you and I and the rest of the Radio Le Mans crew know well, yeah. because uh, it was where we used to have the uh, the noisiest place in the world, the uh, Tribune. Um, the outdoor commentary uh, boxes. Effectively a, a, a chicken coop, but a must, much, much, much missed, I have to say. Great view from there. Now, from what I understand, Graham, and again, kudos to Matt Fernandez, your uh, Le Mans and French correspondent, um, the press room, whilst all this refurb is going on, uh, at least for a couple of events, uh, possibly more, uh, the press room will be moving into what is currently the ACO offices, which is in the yes. ACO Tribune on driver's left on start-finish line quite an old building in itself although it has had some refurbs done uh, during the last few years and the reason the tv gantry all moved was because that was uh, transformed into a rather lovely hospitality unit um what i'm not sure about where uh, the press room is going to go not at all sure about it and the more i've been thinking about it the more it concerns me uh, for the vast majority of sports car uh, journalists is. I'm not sure that has a, a, any kind of view of the track. Well, we're going to have to wait and see, and I think that's certainly going to be, you know, when we get to the consultative stage, which absolutely never happens, um, the, the answer is that's going to be one of the questions. Uh, one of my pet hates uh, is a press room with no view of the track, and 
I know that uh, my Formula One colleagues, damn you all, um, actually think completely differently. Oh, they think but, it's a uh, distraction because... to see the track, oh, and, and that's why just... Formula One press rooms tend not to be. If I can't watch it on the television, I don't want to see it. I may be distracted. Yeah, but the, the, but the probably they will get distracted by the really boring racing they have to watch. But no, ours is exciting. Stuff. Sorry, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, we're yet to see the the detailed plans. ACO will be uh, putting another building on site somewhere to decant the offices into. Look, any investment in the greatest show on earth, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is good. I just hope we don't get um, uh, the rough end of the stick on this one. I hope not. Well, um, may I just uh, put before the court the grand plans, the grand schemes some years ago to have a purpose-built, a bespoke uh, broadcast centre on driver's left at the final chicane until Porsche wanted to buy a bit of land and or rent a bit of land um, and put up the uh, Porsche experience there. So that got shelved. Uh, the TV compound is still on the bottom of the Ducati circuit and there's not enough room there. Um, this year, the TV commentary boxes and, and uh, therefore our commentary boxes don't have a view of the track. They're all on the ground floor behind some catch fencing. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I wait to see what happens. What, what I'm worried about is we get partway into this Graham, uh, the the press room gets converted into lovely hospitality units, oh, nice. uh, and, and and then nothing gets done. And no be new a press, tent. And no new press room. Well, that that's what happened at the first Le Mans 24 hours. Hmm. There was a press marquee. Uh, and a driver's marquee alongside it. The driver's marquee uh, was serving the pilots uh, with uh, roast chicken and champagne between their stints. Excellent. Now, if that happens, I don't have an issue, so long as we can get in there. That's sure. <laughs> you need to well, be the driver. Press, was the press getting beer and sandwiches in? Well, uh, probably, probably Chinon, probably, at that part of France. Um, uh, finally, fingers crossed there for that. There is still one event which still has a press marquee, and that is the only facility the press have. Which is? Goodwood. Yes, yes they do. Uh, at at the at the racetrack or the hill climb. At yeah, the hill climb. All right. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's not really a motorsport event anymore. Now there's so little of it that's actually uh, competitive, isn't it? It's just in from, from the very start. It was always uh, marquee based for the yeah. press. Interesting. Uh, uh, going back to this fuel system. Yes. The interesting thing that I spotted was that it will be able to carry hydrogen. Yes. BMW yeah, that's will be definitely very happy part, about that. That's going to be part. Um, I'm, I'm hearing, we, we may well be hearing almost as much on the 2024 level of regulation for future top class as we do on the, the uh, 2020-2021. Let's wait and see what we do get uh, for the, the Le Mans Press conference. But, uh, but yes, I think good news for... Um, for BMW, less good news for BMW, by the way, at uh, Testo. Surprised me that uh, they only had a one-year deal for the safety cars. Uh, I thought Porsche were the safety cars. Porsche were the FIWC safety cars. Right. Uh, um, a, a BMW were the safety cars at Le Mans last year, but I, I was, I thought that was a single-year deal. Just, it clearly was. Uh, just to get over the fact that. Um, uh, Audi didn't want to fork over large amounts of yeah, uh, right. of euros anymore. Uh, but um, after they'd left. <laughs> but the one thing I will say for me, the second big story. Yeah. Aside from all of the politics, everybody listening that is going to Le Mans is going to love 
those two retro Porsches. No doubt about it. Stunning job by Porsche. Stunning. Yeah, uh, hear all about that and everything you need to know to get you ready. Uh, listen live or download it. I take it, Tim, they'll all be ready for podcasting uh, by the time the third one plays out or after the third one's played out. That's Saturday. So Sunday, Correct, yes. they'll be ready to go. So Saturday after the third one's finished. Right, excellent. Uh, so take them with you or listen live or both. Uh, that's Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Graham, thanks for joining us tonight. Johnny Palmer and he will join me tomorrow night, th- uh, Friday night and Saturday night, 8 o'clock here on RS1 for our uh, Le Mans previews. Uh, Alonso going to win, Nick? No. Yeah, you're with Derek Bell then. Which is unlucky. Right. Uh, very quickly, I have some it's helmet news. Zoan Zarko of Formula One, as, as, uh, John. as you said. Helmet news. Helmet news. Hel- helmet news is, uh, is, is he another Austrian who's investing in motorsport? <laughs> uh, no, it's a FIA press release uh, out today saying that they're uh, changing the specifications for uh, mandated helmets. Oh, Super uh, strong. The top of the visor opening has been lowered by 10 millimetres. Right. Effectively, you can throw something at them at 200 miles an hour and they don't deform anyway. They're right. very, 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 very strong. Is that in all classes or just in it's top F1 class? F1 and filtering down like hands devices did. Right. So okay. it starts in Formula 1 next year and will filter down to other championships. Oh, only oh, open top cars. Yeah, because you don't need the intrusion protection for a closed top car. because. Thank it's goodness, I don't have to buy another helmet. It's not, yeah, let's be honest, if, it, if it's got through the whole car, the car it, really, what you're going to do there, if it's got through the windscreen at the force of I think it was 700 metres per second, you've got a problem anyway, haven't you, really? Yeah, particularly if it's a deer. <laughs> um, or a love. <laughs> or a llama. That's what we've got time for. And there's uh, no time to explain. Um, thank you very much to all of our guests. Great to have Declan Brennan tonight talking real sense on Superstock versus Superbike. When, when are we getting back for his, his betting odds? Oh, that, that was a long time ago now, wasn't it? <laughs> a different era. Um, uh, thanks for De- to Declan for that really interesting talking point on super stock versus super sport have your say on that at specutainment uh, we might pick that up later on in the year uh, once we've got past uh, Le Mans etc next week midday motorsport at uh, high noon for the uh, UK time for the start work it out yourself or check the website no time to explain the llama is off to look at a sundial <laughs> This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.